podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the View from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomofTheGiants.com. Today is Tuesday, the 13th of February. Pancake Tuesday, 2018. My name's Patrick Smith. Um, well, what a seven day. Well, first of all, a quick thanks to Joel Neal and Victoria Steveley, who stepped in as I went missing for the last two weeks. It's good to be back, and thanks to them, they did a fab job. Um, what a seven days it's been for the Belfast Giants. Qualification for the Challenge Cup final. A good win against Fife and then disappointment against Manchester that maybe makes the title challenge just a little bit more difficult. But we'll come to that. Um, coming up on the show, we'll be chatting to Adam Keefe. We'll be hearing from Jonathan Boxall, from Spear Galakos and from Omar Pasha. And we've got a very special guest panellist, but I'll come to him in a second. First of all, Mr. Majimsey, how are you? Paddy, I'm delighted to have you back the last two weeks with you. <laughs> Look, it's it's, it's much harder. Job, it's much harder also. asking questions than it is answering questions. Is easy asking them is quite difficult, and you know. But some of the guests we had on Victoria and Joel were great. Yeah, Simon yeah. was Simon was just average as usual. And here is Ms. the average Mister Simon Kitchen. How are you, mate? Uh, the average Mister Simon Kitchen's fine, mate. Thanks for asking. <laughs> the uh, how are you doing? With so many uh, home games being thrown at you. You must be talked out. Strepsils, strepsils. It's the way forward. The, um. Yeah, I mean, the one on Sunday was tough. To, I think it was probably the toughest game I've ever had to call for Belfast Chance TV. Just honest to God, it really uh, wasn't an easy game to call, but uh, I'll sure come on to that in a few minutes anyway. Absolutely. And the last member of the panel we're delighted to have on board, uh, a man who, well, I put it out on Twitter that he had eight domestic t- uh, titles with the uh, with the Belfast Giants. Davey quickly corrected me and said I forgot about the crossover cups. So let's put that well, up to nine. Actually, ten. Ten? What else have I missed? The N2 Cup last year. Oh, the N2 Cup. Yeah, and I'm not, sure, I'm not sure, Paddy, did we want a charity shield in there as well? Yes, we did. Mr. Jason <laughs> Taff Ellery, the hardest working man in the Belfast Giants. Hi, welcome to the show. Evening and well, thank you. Have you counted them up? How many titles is it? I uh, mean, it's not, it's not winning them, it's taking part. That's, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably tell me you don't have like this big trophy cabinet with all the medals just no. stowing them just, just a box in the loft, that's it. <laughs> wow. Listen, we're. Bird del- loft and the trophy room. <laughs> <laughs> We're delighted to have you on board. We're going to get stuck straight in to talking about last Wednesday's game against the Nottingham Panthers. Obviously, the Belfast Giants went into this game with a 5-1 advantage from the the first leg that took place at the NIC the week before. It wasn't really as straightforward as maybe we thought. Uh, the Nottingham Panthers came out pretty quickly, but the Giants in a 13-goal game ended up 7-6 winners, which, Mr. Kitchen, quick maths, we ended up winning how much? 12-something. 12-7. <laughs> I enjoyed, 12, listening, I enjoyed listening to you during the game, trying to add up the scores every single time. Um, first, oh, well, maybe uh, me. Maybe he wasn't helping. <laughs> it's just uh, there to look pretty, mate. <laughs> 
the uh, Nottingham Panthers scored first. David Clark scoring within five minutes. But Sebastian Silvestre and Blair Riley on the power play made it 2-1. The Nottingham Panthers rounded off the score in the lead at the end of the first period. Their new signing, Mike Vasquivo, Vasquivo says? Yeah, good enough, yeah. There we go, that'll do. From, from Jan Svave and uh, David Clark with the second of the game and the period, and they led 3-2 in the game. Uh, they came out again. Zach Phillips and Brett Perlini brought the actual tide within a goal in the second period before Blair Riley on the power play with what was the tie-winning goal. Uh, Sebastian Silvestre scored to make it, I'm going to count this up, there was 5-4. Yes. Colin Shields in the third period, about a minute in, and then Mark Delago scoring. There before Jonathan Ferland scored shorthanded and in the empty net twice to round off the scoring. 7-6 on the night and this is, says 12-7 in the tie. The Belfast Giants progress and they will face the Cardiff Devils in the Challenge Cup final on the 4th of March. In goal, it was Chris Trull, a late call-up for the game. 46 shots, 40 saves. And the other side, Patrick Galbraith, who at one point gifted his second goal of the tie to the Belfast Giants. 36 shots, 31 saves. Your referee was, uh, referees, sorry, were Andrew Dalton and Pavel Halas. Uh, Davey, at one point the Nottingham Panthers pulled it to within a goal and, and it was game on. It was nervy times. It actually seems like a really long time ago, only that it was, it was less than a week as it goes. Um, there's been that much hockey lately, but you know, the Panthers did come out pretty well and Okay, we pegged them back, which was key, key, crucial. But I think that the the two goals towards the end was towards the end of the second period was probably the turning point of the game. Getting those two goals quickly, I think. Um, who gets them? Blair Riley. Yeah. Blair Riley on Blair. the power play. Yeah. The one Rudy was behind the net, pops out right front, but then the sort of slap pass from from Shades for um, Sylvester to redirect, and then it's a whole different game. We we were going into the locker room, and Simon commented, I think, during the commentary. At five minutes to go at the end of that second period, we're under the pump and we're going in a whole different... We go in at the end of that period, heads up, pumped up, fist pumping the crowd. The Panthers went in, heads down, walking down the tunnel, kind of knew the game was up. And then when Corey... Corey rolled the dice, you know, came out there and pulled the pulled the netty twice with sort of 10 minutes to go in the game. And actually, it's not on the game sheet, but Spiro gets a, a block on both shots from the Panthers of two shots, Spiro blocks and both. He should have an assist on both those goals. Fairly breaks away and scores the two goals. You know, it, it makes it look a much more comfortable tie at, you know, whatever that was, 12-7 or whatever you said that the final score was. Then perhaps the second leg dictated. They came to us, what, two, three weeks ago and played the same kind of game. They got at us, got us down low, worked us down low and got pucks back to the blue line and got shots away, got tips in front. Pretty well-drilled team. You just don't know what you're going to get with the Panthers on any given night. You know, then they go on the next two nights, the next two games, and they stink. They get beat 4-0 by Sheffield, and I think they, they get beat maybe 7 or 8 down in Cardiff as well. You know, you just... But they can come out and score six goals against a very good Belfast side. We're kind of the masters of our own downfall at the minute. We're coming out to slow starts, and I think this was no exception. They came out, and it's a bit like Barcelona 99. Can't David Clark score? He always scores. It just seems to be we talk about him on the podcast. And he gets goals against us. He just ghosted in there and, and, and picks up a couple in the night. But, you know, I thought they played well. But fortunately for us, cup game, we'd done all the damage the week before. And we had just enough to keep ahead of them, just keep ahead of them. And we clawed them back on the night. We ended up with a 7-6 win. 
did we deserve seven six? Well, it's hard to say. I think the Panthers played pretty well on the night, but we just without gunned them the, the seven days before. Unfortunately for us, we we had enough there to win. Taff, I'm going to come to you. You, you know, your man stood on the bench during this game. Obviously, as I said, the Nottingham Panthers pulled it back to within a goal. Atmosphere on the bench was was there any urgency there, or was there just a confidence that we were a better team? Uh, I think there's a bit of confidence that we were a better team, but with this with this with this uh, Challenge Cup uh, format, seems to benefit Nottingham. You know, they always seem to, you know, find a way find a way to score goals. They come, up fly, come up, they come up flying every time, second leg, and it's you know in the past I hit, I hit the second leg, first leg like you said we're four goals up cruising, we've got to score the first goal and you know it's a five goal game they score the first goal, it changes and the momentum was with them at the time but I think the guys on the bench knew that uh, we could win this game. Kiefer said in his post game that uh, that he preferred being a best of three series. Do you think that has merit in this league? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think it would I think it would benefit. It would benefit. Yes. I guess we're just too, we're just too used to having a, an aggregate score. The guards are looking at maybe football games. Says as Davy says, well, the, the Panthers came out flying. They came out quickly and 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 they really gave it to us. It actually sort of carried on from the last home game that we had against the. Panthers uh, back in the uh, middle of January. You know they they do play very very well, you know, especially in our zone. That you know they, they cycle the puck really well. They they just put a lot of pressure on you, and you know they always seem to to get to the net. I mean David Clark, you just know every time he plays against us, score, um, and he, he's just got our number over the years. And I don't know if David's going to stat on him any goals he scored against us, but. He scored a hell of a lot. I know that. Um, but the, you know, seven six. It was. Uh, do you know what? I, I, I actually thought it was going to be a high scoring game. Um, if there had been a like a third and fourth place playoff type thing, you know, you, once they started score, they scored the first goal pretty on three or four minutes in, and we get we sort of get back into it. And you're sitting thinking, right, that's it over and done with. But they just never gave in, and that's as Taff said there. You know, it's one of those ones where. They just get stuck and then they try and, you know, put pressure on you, just get the goal back, get it back to the six five in one stage. Um, but coming up right at the end of the second period, that that goal by Sebastian with four seconds to go just absolutely drained them. You could see the the energy being drained out of them as soon as, as said it right on the on Belfast Giants TV on the night, you know, you just the heads were down, everybody's heads were down, including the goaltender who screwed up one of the goals again last week. He's He's a one for for Thomas for us, like. Um, but uh, overall, the two legs absolutely deserve to carry on to the Challenge Cup final. And uh, well, next time bring on Cardiff, and we'll see if we can if we can do the same against them. Davy, you know, you've seen you were both legs, and you saw both blunders by uh, by Patrick Galbraith. Which was the worst? Oh, I think he's gonna he's gonna want the the one from 190 feet back. They're they're both you know the, the second one in Belfast. Collins doesn't give up on the play and Shades doesn't give up on the play. So there's been a lot more effort from Belfast Giants put in to, to create a goal. Okay, the goalie's made a, a complete hider behind his net. But, you know, that first one, John on the first game, Fernie's blocked the shot going across. He's down a stick. We're virtually on a five on three and Spiro's just throwing the length. It's not like a, a Robbie Sandrock where he 
he actively put shots on goalies from that distance. You know, he'd, he'd get it out to the dots and he'd have a, a lash just because the goalie has to ha- handle the puck then, gives him a cap- couple of seconds to get changed on the on the bench. But, you know, Spiro has just threw that up and it's, it's, it's went through him. It's just, it's a bit unlucky on the goalie. You know, it's it's hard. You, you win as a team, you lose as a goalie. That's always the way it goes. But, you know, I think um, it was crucial at that stage. We'd got the two goals just before the period break, Sheds comes out, scores a minute into that third period, and that was really the the nail in the coffin for them. Forced Corley into the you know the six on three situation when we're taking the two penalties, and uh, fortunately for us, we came out on the right side of it. Taff, you know that, that decision from Corey Nielsen to pull Patrick Galbraith on the on the power play, and uh, well, about ten minutes left in the game. A uh, correct decision, just despite the fact that we got two short-handed goals. Was it? Uh, do you think it was time for him to throw, to throw his cards on the table and try to get those goals? Yeah, for sure. If the if the shoe was on the other foot, I think Adam would do the same. You know, um, you know, if you're chasing goals, power play, you got a six on four, you got a good chance, good chance to score a goal. You know, so, but yeah, I think it's a correct correct decision by Corey there. Yeah, and we go on, we progress to take on the Cardiff Devils in Ice Arena Wales on the 4th of March. Taff, your, your thoughts on that, the, the, the challenge that stands ahead of us? Well, we've, we've, we've fared pretty well in Cardiff this year. Um, and we pushed them all the way in our barn as well. So it's a, and it's a, it's a one-off game. Anything can happen, you know. Um, and, we, you know, we're not changing anything. You know, we're playing the game the night before. We're, we're traveling the day of. We're just Cardiff not playing the night before. So... No, I think we've got a really good chance. Says, I agree. You know, we've already beat them twice in their own barn this year. Um, we're taking 330 uh, Belfast Giants fans who bought tickets to the USC at the weekend over with us as well. You know, and, and yeah, Cardiff are playing well, but th- th- there's absolutely no difference between these two teams. You know, we've seen the weekend before last that, you know, there's nothing in it. It's just a matter of getting stuck into them. Um, and it's, it's about, you know, if we can limit the mistakes that we're making at the minute, then you know we're we're definitely a good chance. Davey, they qualified for this game having to come back against the Sheffield Steelers, who themselves had a had a four goal lead ripped apart. So Cardiff showing exactly what they can do in this competition. Cardiff are a good side. They're not up at the top of the the standings for no reason. But you know, as, as Simon has also said, there we've been in there done well since it became Ice Arena Wales and. Uh, you know, we, we've been there with smaller numbers. I think it was about 2,000, is that right? And uh, I think there was double headers that we had towards the end of the, the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, we've had much less than 350 following us. So we, we know what it's like to go in there with a with a large crowd up against us. But those, those boys in that locker room of ours will not fear that. You know, if anything, uh, they'll be determined to, to win the championship on their ice. That'll be, you know, even sweeter than winning it on neutral ice. So, you know... It's, it's there to be won. It's 60 minutes, maybe 65, 70. I don't know what the rules will be if it goes to overtime. But, you know, it's it's one game of hockey against a good hockey club, but we're a very good hockey club as well. And if we can be defensively better than we have been over the last number of weeks, you know, when we bring that defensive game and our offense is that good, it, it, it speaks for itself. It will create it. will get goals. You know, so we have to be tight in our own blue zone and, and get good goaltending on the night, which we have, thankfully, got over most nights in the course of the season. We're a good team. There's nothing to fear. <laughs> we'll obviously come and we'll preview that closer to the time. If you want to get the highlights of this, as with all of these, Belfast Giants TV, where you'll hear commentary from Mr. Kitchen and Mr. Mitchell. Um, let's move on to, let's move on to Friday, lads. Uh, Fife came into town 
uh, for an elite league matchup against the Belfast Giants, and the Giants walked away 6-4 winners. Uh, two goals in the first period, one on the power play, both from David Rutherford. Into the second period, the Giants took further control. Jonathan Furland and Steve Saviano short-handed on, a, on an assist from Furland, made it 4-zip. And then, well, we seemed to switch off. And we, there were three quick goals in, in around four minutes from Evan Bloodoff, Charlie Mosey, and Bloodoff with his second to make it 4-3. The Giants had to come out into the third and reaffirm themselves. And that they did, Steve Salviano, with his second of the game before Ricard's Bursons on the power play kept Fife alive. But Jonathan Furland into the empty net with uh, less than a minute to go. That's his, what, his third empty net goal in, in two games. Uh, finished off the scoring 6-4 in goal. Jackson Whistle was back in net. Uh, 33 shots, 29 saves. And at the other side, Andy Isles, 39 shots, 34 saves. Your referees were Stefan Hogarth and Pavel Hallis. Says, as I said, you know, the chance came out quick. They, they, two, two good goals from, from Rutherford and then started that second period with another two good goals and then seemed to switch off. Just stop moving their feet, mate. Um, you know, Rudy got off the cracker. He was really, he was really, he's just, you know, really so skillful. And we know he's, uh, you know, he's a point of game player for the chance that the amount of time he's been there. And, um, he just gets into the, the, uh, the right spaces and then he's pulled off two great goals and, and then again, you know, we'll talk about something in a minute. He got two more there as well. So 4-0 up, we just stopped skating. We literally stopped moving our feet, um, give uh, Fife a chance to get back in. They, they scored uh, three goals in, I think it was about three and a half minutes, um, coming up towards the end of the second period. And uh, I think, Adam, did Adam call a timeout then? Yes, I think he called a timeout again. And that, that, I mean, we didn't mention that in the first instance, the first um, game. Absolutely. They, all the crucial time out when, you know, it basically not going to put it back. And this is another one, you know, and, and that, that for a rookie coach doing that again, you know, it, it, he just knows when to do it. And, and it's worked for the last couple of games for him as well. So, um, he, he managed to get back into it in the three goals towards the end of the, uh, sorry, two goals in the third period that, that, that solidify things up or well deserved, especially in the first 30, 32 minutes, something like that, when we were, we were absolutely dominant. Um, but you can't rule Fife out. There's some, some guys there when we took a couple of stupid penalties um, and, and managed to get them back into it again. And, and that's sort of, we, we got away from that for probably three or four weeks. And, and you know, we kept moving our feet. The penalties we were taking were hockey plays and not stupid calls. And, and we took a couple of them against Fife. Um, but, you know, two points is what you, you set out for to start every league game. And that's exactly what we got at the end of it. Davey, the you spoke to Todd Dudium last week and obviously the five Flyers are doing pretty well in the standings. They're, they're, they're obviously the strongest team in that conference. They were always going to put up some sort of a battle. It was just up to the Giants to weather that. Yeah, I think we, we'd played them in the Challenge Cup at home a, a number of weeks. We beat them 7-1, seven, 7-0. Seven, seven, something like that, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we've came out really well again and gone 4-0 up. And I don't know whether it's, you know, tough. I think they're better about the answer that. I don't know if there's an element of you've played Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. You know you're playing Sunday. It's a lot of hockey to be played in sort of 10 days. You're 4-0 up. You kind of psychologically just take a wee bit of the, the foot off the gas. And you know in this league, once you do that, there's such parity sort of between at least 10 of the teams in this league. You take your foot off the gas. You're getting, you're getting beat. 
you know, if we hadn't had that four lead, four goal lead, you're in trouble here. You we, and we seem to concede goals in bunches at the minute. We've seen the score them in bunches, but we've seen to concede them as well. So, you know, bang, bang, bang. All of a sudden, it's four three, and there's a bit of pressure on. As you say, the coaches call the timeout. They're settle things down. Give a bit of a, a, a telling off off to the boys, and uh, as you can see on the camera, and, and we go on then and, and get ourselves a goal, and we're riding the victory out okay. But you know, it's one of those things. We're always, that's a hockey cliche, you're striving for that 60-minute performances. And there's been times since the turn of the year that we've got that 60-minute buy-in. And I just think it was just one of those. We just took a foot off your gas. It's very hard to get that momentum going. Like in any sport, football, and all, once you slow down and you give your opposition, momentum's a big thing in hockey, as we all know. And once you give the opposition that momentum, it's really, really hard to get it back again. And maybe the coach just taking a sting out of the situation, calming everybody down. Let's take 30 seconds, 60 seconds, lads. Chill out and let's go again. And we went again, and, and we obviously we got back five on five. We're a good team. We've said that all season. We get the even strength. We'll go on, we'll go on and, and round it out with another empty netter. So, um, John Ferdinand involved that one as well. And, uh, you know, a good enough win, and then onwards to Sunday. Is that a fair point from, from David Taft? The fact that you know, the guys maybe had their, you know, the amount of games they'd been playing in quick succession and, and the lead there, maybe they, they took their eye off the ball and, and just needed a bit of uh, motivation from the coach. Well, I, th- I think it's been, you know, we've played a lot of hockey lately, but Adam's done, done a great job, you know, giving guys rest and, you know, and picking the right times to, to skate the guys in gym and stuff like that, you know. But um, I think going up 4-0 against Fife, I think they were thinking, ah, oh, here we go again, another 7-0 game. You know what I mean? I think they thought it was, it was going to be easy and easier than it was, for, you know, the, the first four. You know, but uh, Fife didn't, didn't back down this time, you know, um but yeah, um, and coming up the you know the Sunday game showed you know what I mean, you know uh, just didn't get off to a good start again. But you know, just took the foot off the gas. I think I think it was going to be an easy easy walk in again. But uh, like you said, Adam Adam called a timeout at the right time, you know. So and the guys listened to him, you know. Paddy, Paddy, can I just jump in there? Yeah, absolutely. The things when Adam, obviously, we're you know, I'm 150 feet away from him, and he looks as if he's you know, especially a timeout against Nottingham when he was you know, he could see the veins popping out his neck. Yeah, um, you know, if I was on his bench, I'd be listening to him as well. Yeah, yeah. but but is he obviously getting the message across? You get it across, you get it across, and once the period is finished, he lets the guys go in the room, sort out what they got to do between themselves, and then he'll come in, you know. That's the guy sorted out between themselves. You know, Riles will speak, Furley will speak, Saviano, whoever steps up, they all listen. Adam comes in, then he gives his bit. So win a game, you know, score the next one, it'll kill him. You know what I mean? But you know, that's him come. he has his say, calm down and comes back on his say and then back out to the third period. Of all the coaches that you've seen on that bench with the Belfast Giants, Taff, you know, where does where, how regards motivationally with with Kiefer? Because obviously you've seen Kiefer as a player coming through the ranks of the Giants and now in in his position as the coach. Plus you've seen the likes of you know Doug Christensen, Paul Eddy, you know Walser going right back, you know Steve Thornton. You know, what, how does Kiefer fit in motivationally compared to all those guys? Um, he's probably one of the best that I've worked with motivationally. You know, does the right things at the right time. Uh, if the guy deserve a bollocking, he gives it. If he doesn't, he comes in. And there's games where we're winning, he still comes in and gives it to the guys. You know, 
you know, um, there's only one other coach really motivation like that was Dick Christensen, you know, but but Keith, I got a lot of respect for him as a player and now as a coach. You know, I think he's going to be, he's going to be good for this club for the future. Why did you say Christensen? What was what was what did he have? Doug was a good motivator as well. Yeah, just a a, a shoulder or a, or an arm around the shoulder. He he, he could he could shout. Mm-hmm. He could shout if he wanted to. Was he was he more? You're talking about Doug and and, and Kiefer there. Was it more? Um, you just have to learn what the players need. Do they need an arm around the shoulder exactly. or a kick in the ass? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain players that Doug shouted at, didn't like it. There's certain players on our team Adam shouts at, and they don't like it. But name names. <laughs> <laughs> no chair talk, you know. But uh, you know, if they need if they, if they need a cuddle, give them a cuddle. You know, um, it was like when I was at Cardiff, Steve Lal. You know, if he's going through a bad bad patch, and goalie screamed at him, it would affect his game. Mm-hmm. If you give him a cuddle, you come back stronger. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's there's a difference in certain players. How difficult do you think it is for coaches to sort of isolate those players and know whether it's a confidence thing or a motivational thing? Yeah, some some guys need need a bit of confidence, um, and then motivate. Some guys need motivating, like some of the guys this year. You know, they just uh, it's a stroll. I'm just here to to get points. You know, Keith, Keith will point him out in the room. He'll tell him. He'll tell him what he thinks. You know. But I think there's also the the case there of some guys just like to be told that you are the best player in our team, oh, sure. even if they're you know they're, they're they're good but they're not the best player. Yeah, yeah, some yeah, guys yeah. react to that as well. Yeah, and then there's other ones as I say that if they do need a kick in the ass, that oh, you know he'll hand it out for sure. What, 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 how does Stewie and, and and Adam bounce off each other? Stewie, Stewie sees the game different to Adam, you know, because he's a defensive guy and he just feeds. Feeds Adam information, you know. You know, I think we need to do this, we need to do that. Stewie doesn't, as everybody knows, Stewie's a quiet guy. Stewie doesn't is not the motivational guy, but he will pull you to one side and say, "Look, this is what we need to do." Blah blah yeah. blah. That's 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 Stewie's role. You know, he can't keep it down sometimes. You know, when when he's going blue, blue. but um, yeah, Stewie, Stewie's there. He's a great assistant. Um, and assist him with you know certain things on the ice where Adam hadn't seen something, and then Rob would say, "Well, this happened there, that happened there," and you know, especially with video now, Adam's huge into video, and they sit down for hours and they go through the video, and you know, they always Stewie's picking this guy, Adam's picking that guy, so they're working well as a tandem right now, and I think it's good for the future. You speak of the video, I think that's something I want to come back to later when we talk about Manchester. What I'll do is just round off this game with the five flash. The, uh, Davey, you know, five having that challenge, it was important, especially this weekend. We'll come on to Manchester in a second, but it was important getting this win considering. Yeah, I think five were, uh, they've been up and around. They're mostly due to their form and their own conference. You know, they're, they're, they're pushing that conference leg. They're absolutely winning it at a canter and, you know, it just proves that the kind of inequality in the conferences that you can just dominate your own conference and you just pick up what you can on the road and, you know, especially in the cross-conference games. But, you know, they're going to win that cross. They're going to win their conference 
pretty handily and within the next few weeks and you know they're going to qualify I've said all along I don't think they're going to challenge up to the top of the league and I still stand by that I think the the, the league winners already kind of have decided but you know if it's not it's going to come from from ourselves or Cardiff it's not going to come from from outside the, this conference and uh, you know the, the fair play them they've been pretty good but I just think that they're their menu of games that they've got over the next wee while is just it's just staggering how many games they've got to play even in March, let alone February, where they're sort of playing three games a weekend here for two or three weekends in a row. I just think they've too, too much hockey um, to play. I think Dutch was trying to get another body in before uh, um, I think it's Friday, is it? Then just to that's, that's and, Sorry, Dave, I asked Alan about that today about the deadline. Mm-hmm. Led to believe it's the first of March. It's dependent on. Something to do with the Olympic Games says it's maybe on an Olympic year it's extended, but it's, it's January this week. But it may be because of the Olympics it's extended two weeks. You may be right on that one. Okay. Um, but there, there's there's something different in Olympic years so that may well be. You may well be right. We, Kiefer's going to know better than me to be honest. But the the signing deadlines usually the Friday after Valentine's Day. But um, as you say, with it being an Olympic year, it may be well extended for Fortnite. But that aside, Dutch is trying to get an extra body in there just to have a bit more depth because just the pure number of games they've got to play. I know everybody's got to play a lot of hockey in March, but they have, they have a few games behind it, and uh, I think it'll catch up on them. We're going to move on because we have another game to cover here before we get stuck at the... Uh, I, you can I do one thing? I have to give a shout out to uh, Ram Martinelli for last for Friday night's game. Mm-hmm. He was, oh, he was brilliant. Four assists as well. I think it was the first time he's ever had four points in a game um, as a pro, and and uh, he was brilliant last Friday night. Yeah, exactly. Um, what did I say? He was plus one, two. No, sorry, mate. Sorry. Just turn my page over here. Plus one, plus two. <laughs> plus one. Go on, David. Plus three. Plus three. Oh, you know what? Three. Yeah. There we go. Right. Let's move on to. Let's move on to Sunday's game. Unfortunately, the Belfast Giants took on the Manchester Storm for the for the final time this season, and uh, the Storm, as they seem to annually do now, took two points away for the from the Belfast Giants from the SSE Arena, winning six three on the day. Uh, and they hit quickest on the first period. Three goals, Luke Moffat, Scott Pitt and Matt Stanitz uh, put them three up before in the second period. Short-handed, Darcy Murphy put on the Jets. Knew he was going up against a, uh, on the par- on the, sorry, short-handed. Knew he was probably going up against a, a forward playing day. Got past him and made it 3-1. But straight away, less than a minute later, well, less than about 50 seconds later, uh, Luke Moffat on the power play made it 4-1. David Rillisford's Stepped up and with an unassisted goal and then another one for a lovely pass from Spiro Galakos. Give the Giants hope, but once again, the Storm rounded off the second period score and ran trends and then Luke Moffat in the third period made it 6-3. A pretty stop-start game, which I know we're going to talk about, uh, but the short-handed Belfast Giants went down in a loss. The referees were Stefan Hogarth and Andrew Dalton in regards to goalkeepers. Jackson Whistle, 38 shots, 32 saves. Mike Clemente, 38 shots, 35 saves. Davey, shots-wise in that first period, the Manchester Storm came out firing. They, according to the official shot count, obviously you'll have the ones that you guys have put together, but the official shot count said that they outshot us 15-5 to 5 in that first period alone. Um, we actually only had four shots in the first period. Um, 
which look, I've I'm the stats you talked about a stop start game, seventy nine face offs in that game. I think that's a season high. It's you know Jeez. an incredible amount of stoppages. But you know, just some notes I made, which which in the context of just doing the stats is you know when you constantly turn it over, when you get out worked in your own zone and your power play tries up, you're in big trouble here. You know, I think that the, the, one of the crucial points in the game is that four one goal. It's it's offside. Let's not you know let's not make no beef about it. It's miles offside. It's a bad call by the referee. We've just got back to 3-1. The crowd's starting to get back into the game. The Giants are getting a wee bit taller with sense that, you know, we're a good enough team to come back into this. Even at 3-0, you still look at our team and think, right, it's still early enough in the game here. There's plenty of time. That really killed us. That that fourth quarter really, really was a hammer blow to our, to our chances. And, you know, I just think in our own defensive zone, we, were, we let them get in at, at West way, way, way too easy. We're getting beat over the left shoulder too often down the right wing. And, you know, their, their stretch passes, they're, they're hitting us with their identifying D-man to go up against. And, they, you know, coaches are doing it week in, week out now. But certainly, Ram Finnery had a, a game plan there with that stretch pass to get on that shoulder and get round and get, get rubber on with. And, you know, there was times that they got in front and got shots on way too easy. Um, there's one, I can't remember which goal it is now, he goes down. Rainer lays the body, doesn't get him quite right, and he gets cut in front. Jared's got a decision to make and he goes somewhere in between and, and they get the goal. And we were just got out a wee bit too easy. We came out sluggish. We gave them goals. That's not being disrespectful, but we gave them goals and we allowed them to go in that 3-0 lead. We were pretty soft in that first period. And, you know, you can't let an away goaltender settle in. You know, it's 25 minutes under his belt and he's only faced four shots. You know, it's uh, right in that second period we weren't getting rubber enough on him. Unfortunately, one of those games, we left ourselves too big a hill to climb. And, you know, if you don't look after the puck, you're going to be in for a long night. That's an interesting point you made, Tafu. This team has shown all season long that even sometimes when we have given ourselves a hill to climb, when we have had to try to come back into the game, we've been able to. What was different in this game that, that prevented us from getting back into the game? Um... To be, to be to be honest with you, I was I was speaking to my dad last week and I, I said, oh, we went a few goals down, blah, blah, blah. We came back and and I did say to my dad, you know what? It's going to happen to us one day. We're going to go three three or four goals down. It's going to bite us in the ass. And lo and behold, it, it happened. It happened on uh, on Sunday there. Um, maybe it's, you know, like we couldn't get ice on the Saturday because there's a concert in the arena and it was busy at Dundonald. So maybe that could have been the reason. Guys looked a bit lethargic at the start of the game, so you know it could all factor into it. But guys should be guys should be ready for that team coming. So in that second period, I think I did a, a quick calculator day at work. We're getting paid for it at the time, but I think with five on five, there was only around six minutes of that period that was five on five. Yeah, the uh, whistle was never out of the referee's mouth in fairness. Uh, a lot of two-minute penalties called. Uh, but, you know, overall, the special teams really killed us. <clears throat> On Sunday, you know, I think they had three power play goals. Um, you know, we had, we had 10 chances. And I, I don't know how many shots we got in those 10 chances, but I'm pretty sure there, if you count them all down, there's only maybe two or three quality chances. We Davey's 100% right. We didn't work uh, Clemente anywhere near hard enough. Um, he had a really easy night, especially in the first period. Then he breaks wet, um, and uh, you know, for the for for us at home, 
uh, coming out 3 0 down at the end of the first period wasn't good enough. And again, you know, Darcy Murphy got us a good start at the, the second shorthanded goal. He speed to burn. I mean, I think it was Scott Pitt was a D man. Um, and he just made a complete idiot out of him and cut inside and, and started through the five hole. But, uh, you know, we, we got exactly what we deserved out of that game, Paddy. And then, you know, if you don't put the work ethic in, uh, you'll, you'll get nothing out of it. And that's one of those games where, you know, we've had a, we've had a couple this year, Guildford away, uh, Coventry away. Um, you know, there's, as I say, there's been two or three games this year where you just want to forget. Um, but overall, you know, again, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, on the podcast. You, you're going to lose games. You're not going to be able to go the rest of the season undefeated. Um, our position right now, I was speaking to Brooksy after the game. For us to win the league, I think we're going to have to win every game now at the end of the season. Mm, I don't sure. think we can to lose another one. You know, so, you know, every game is a, is a playoff final for us. So, uh, you know, with, with losing that game on Sunday against the Manchester Storm, I'm pretty sure Adam would have been tying that down uh, to go, right, okay, well, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to get two points there. We're going to get two points against Fife the Friday night. And then the following weekend, Edinburgh and Milton Keynes, you know, you'd be looking to try and get points against them. Did we overestimate them? Sorry, did we underestimate them? Possibly. Um, did we did we work hard enough to get the result? No, we didn't. And that's it. The bottom line is you need to basically work your nuts off to get what you deserve. Sunday night, we didn't. Paddy, if I, if I can come back in on just, just a couple of little things picking up on through the game. You know, if you, if you look at a goaltender across the course of a season, all these top goaltenders in this league, of which Mike Clemente sits in those top goaltenders, have save percentages of 90% plus. It means you've got to shoot 10 shots to get a goal. With 25 shots across the night, you know, that's good for two and a half goals. Not enough when you're, the, you know, you're conceding six at the other end. The things like committing to blocking shots. The Manchester Storm blocked eleven shots. That's as good as a goal. Blocking eleven shots gives you an extra goal on the night. Statistically, you know, we blocked four shots. Spiro blocked three of them. You've got to have the commitment. And just on Sunday, we were just, we were just, we had an off night. You know, you, you, sometimes in sport it happens. We came out slow and we couldn't get up to the pace that we needed to be. The commitment level needed the challenge. The Manchester Storm, who came out and they were fighting for every puck. They were out working us on the half boards and in the corners. They were blocking more shots than us. And they just, on Sunday, I, I hate to use this term, they wanted it more. But that's kind of what the, the result and the statistics suggest. Taff, how much of a miss was Jim Vandermeer and Colin Shields in that game? A huge miss. Huge miss. Um, I think with Colin in, in the lineup, uh, settles the line down. And then with Jim out the, the lineup on defense, you know, you've got, you know, Mace and Benny, you know, they, they're showing up the back end there, you know, but still, we, we still got quality defensemen that we should still win that game. Says the storm. Do you got to give credit to them the way they approached it? Davies Oi broke that down as well. The fact that they did press so hard, they moved so quickly on the shoulder, they they were able to, you know, they walked away with a, as you said, a justified win. Hundred percent. They absolutely deserved it. You know, I talked about it on the. Uh, I was doing the columns with Chris Trill, and um, we made it easier for them. To, you know, don't get me wrong. The storm, they're playing well. You know, they they've got up to third without anybody. You know, they they were first for for two or three weeks. Uh, October, November, or sorry, September, October time. Uh, then they fell away, 
um, and they get Jay Rosehill out of the, the lineup and they start to win games again. It's not, it's not a, you know, you know I think Jay Rosehill's useless most of the time, but they're winning games and they're creeping up the, the table. They're only one point behind us now. Um, whereas if we had a won that game on Sunday, they're five points behind us. So it's fine margins, but, you know, as I say, the, the big thing on Sunday, Paddy, was our, uh, uh, our special teams. And if you look, I've, I've read about a lot of people slagging off the officials on Sunday. Um, and yes, there was a couple of soft calls, but you know what? We give them decisions to make. You know, Sly took a stupid penalty in the second period. Mm-hmm. I think it was Springer had got a call, um, and we were on the power play. And then he flicks a guy's stick up in the air, right in front of the referee. Both hands, the referee, both referees put their hands up for it. You know, it's, it's interference. It's a two minute call. And then in the third period, Marnie doesn't get an awful lot of penalties. I know he's got 86 penalties a minute. So a couple of those are majors, but he doesn't pick up an awful lot of penalty minutes. And he got a slashing call. In all fairness, the guy must have been holding the stick with one finger, but he's given the referee a decision to make. Hmm. So, you know, it, it put us in a, 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 you know, and again, Sly took another one for abusive official right at that same time. So, you know, that, that when you're trying to gain a bit of momentum and you pick up a goal and you get it back to... Um, I put it on a 5-1-3. Yeah, was it... Was it um, Two-minute 5-1-3. Yeah, but, but I'm trying to think what the score was at that stage. Was that back to 4 or 5-3? 5-3, they scored it. You're trying to push for for a goal with 10 or 12 minutes to go, whatever it is, and that just absolutely drains you. So it's it's not ideal. Again, you know, we got exactly what we deserved out of that game. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to argue with you. And, you know, yes, you, as I say, you, you're not going to win every single game. I understand that. But you expect the effort. And then on Sunday, I think the guys realised that they didn't deliver the effort. I want to move it on and just close up. David, you... Has this really put the dampeners on our title chase? It's going to make it very difficult. You know, uh, it's it's kind of out of our hands. We can we can only look after our own selves. I know that's cliche as well. We have to look after our own games. And yes, the factors you hit playing the injury card, but the mess of Vandermeer is massive. Sheds being out at the weekend, as, as Taff has already said, there it shakes all the lines up, all the chemistry. Those guys have been been working in and they're bunches of threes you know you, know, you have to go in and mix it all up with difference and you're, you've got me stepping in the night you've Benny stepping in the night of the blue line you're you're asking Cole and Rayner to play a lot more ice time because Vandy's not there and you know Spiro and, and Marty are just going about doing their thing that they do and that's a factor but you know we've got what about 15 games left and as Simon says we're, we're going to need 30 points out of that and we need the Cardiff Devils to go through a slump, which every team is capable of doing, but they've got an immense amount of buy-in to their process. You know, They are a team that they mightn't be packed full of stars, some very, very good, talented hockey players, but as a team, they're pretty strong. They've, they've been built really, really well to, to repeat their, their championships from last season. And, you know, our opportunity on the 3rd of March is massive to try and put a bit of doubt in their head. The Challenge Cup final, to me is massive in the league run-in as well because it was three weeks after that that there's only going to be six, seven, eight games left after that and if we're in with a sniff, if we can give them a real bloody nose on the 3rd or 4th of March, whatever date it is, it just gives you a little chance. The door is only very slightly ajar. It's going to take somebody very, very strong to kick it in and it's, it's going to be very difficult, Paddy. 
the highlights of all games from from this week in the game against Nottingham Fife and Manchester available from Belfast Jazz TV. I thought Chris Trule was very good, says, but like not as good as Davy, but, oh, uh, but 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 uh, but but very good nonetheless. Yeah, he's a good lad, you know. Um, Davy's top lad as well, of course. Thank uh, you, Sam. <laughs> you know, Trule, Trulies, like, you know, he, he's. Do you know what? He, he's put in a difficult position. Obviously, he's come in. Um, and with Garcia going out injured, you know, it's, you just can't take the chance to drop down an import, um, if Jackson's available to play, you know, and unless Jackson's hurt, unless he's extremely tired, you know, I think he, he's going to play the majority of these games. And, um, and Chris, you know, I, I, Taff will tell you, and Davey seen him doing the same thing. I've seen him in away games. I was about to ask this. Go ahead. Carrying bags and, you know, doing water balls and, and, you know, it's, it's just, He's just a top top lad. I think he's asking my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really, like I, I saw it myself in, in when, you, when we were in Manchester. Taff, you know, he's traveling away. He's 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 getting stuck in. He's getting involved as best as he can. Awesome, awesome. You know, great guy around the room. You know, doesn't miss a practice session. Doesn't miss an optional. You know, he's always helping out. Like he, he travels every game with his gear just in case someone goes down. But if he's not playing, he's always helping out in the back room. He's always doing something. Great guy. How difficult do you think it is for him? You consider he came in, you know, as hoping to get more ice time, and he's it's sporadic at this moment in time. And it's it is difficult for him. I think you know he's a long way from home. Um, you know what? He's I think he's you know good guy in the room. Guys really like him. You know, but it's just it's just unfortunate the gas went down when he did. Um. You know, but when he's given the chance, he jumps at it. You know, and yeah. he showed he showed the Nottingham game last week. Yeah, that's right. He was he came in he with, cold. Yeah, he was sitting. He was in the. He was. I think he was ready to do an interview for BBC. Yeah. Um, and he got the call at six fifty. Um, you know, I got a phone call from Taff. It's truly with you. I go, no, and he says, "Where is he?" I just have no idea. And I, I was on my way around the West Lounge, and I'd said that David. Yeah, actually, David was too busy. Um, snuggling up to Robert Fitzpatrick eating his chicken sub. Um, <laughs> I, I just get up here and give you some, I'll, I'll be with you in a minute. We couldn't find Chris yeah. Trill to go and bloody net. But, um, you know, for I thought the- I, I, I thought the way you were going, they were looking at me to do net, says I was, that, <laughs> I, was, I was deep in a chicken burger there, like, you know, <laughs> you were. And, um, the pregame Davy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, 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 he didn't get a warm up. He went straight out onto the ice. Yeah. He literally just got the pads all tied up. And his name was being called to go through uh, the Finn McCoolin into the, into the net. And he's straight out and he got off that difficult start. But he, how mm-hmm. good was he? In the, you know, for the last 36, 37 minutes, he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. But Luke says we talked about it in commentary. And, like, I, obviously, as you know, I go back and do all the goals, cut the tape, and do the plus minus, all that stuff. There was very little, there's very little that you would go back and say, that's absolutely down the goalie. You'd want that back again. There, there's good. Good players by the Panthers, there's poor play by D-men, and, and sometimes you've got to hold your hands up and say, well, that was a good goal, or that was a mistake. You know, truly, as you say, for 40 minutes a game, I thought he was really, really good. Yeah, I thought he did well, and again, being put in that position with Jackson, you know, feeling a bit of a twinge, he, um, I, I thought he did really well, and then Taff would say, Taff was early. I was, I seen Jackson come off, and I'm like, oh, I better go talk Kiefer. I run around to Keith and I said, "You better get truly ready." He said, "What do you mean?" And I, I thought to myself, "Here we go, the curse of the Challenge Cup again." Here we yeah. go. He's, you know, that time. Like, yeah. Um, Keith's face was just like, "Oh my God, no! That's all we need right now." And you know what? 
he got hold of Truly, he came down in his suit. I think his suit was still sitting on the floor when the game started. So, uh, yeah, he did a great job. He didn't have time to stretch. He didn't have time to stretch, get on the ice. It was it. Straight out there. Fair play. Fair play to him, absolutely. Well, listen, I want to move on to, we're going to mix things up a bit and you come to talk to our guest, to our past, the, uh, to Jason Taffer. You've got some questions that have come in and we do appreciate your time because we've got a, we've got a game tomorrow against the Dundee Stars. So just briefly, you know, when does your day start tomorrow? Uh, my day starts tomorrow. I'll be in work, be at the arena for about quarter to eight, eight o'clock in the morning. And that's just to start to get everything ready. Get to get get the fans put away, all their laundry set out. Um, what I try and do prior to to the next practice is to have all the skates ready to go. So we, basically, it's an easy day for me, easy start of the day. Time management more than anything. Um, once the guys come in, you know, can I get a stick and a, any chance you can repair that or whatever? You know, it's uh, game day is pretty pretty loose until about midday. Then it starts. You know, from midday right through till about six o'clock games. You know, when game time's on, it's easy. For me, it is easy. It's just, like I said, time management. And then after the game, you know, switching to TAF mode again and away you go. You know, it's uh, <laughs> a long day. It's a long day. You know, you just got to just gotta get on with it, you know. You just get stuck into that routine, do you? Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I'm used to it now. I like <laughs> to have, just like to have my skate shot by about one... One thirty, get a bit of lunch, and then it's uh, make sure all the laundry's ready for the guys. Any repairs they gotta do, you know. Like tomorrow, um, after tomorrow's game, we're gonna move out, go up to Dundonald. So tomorrow afternoon, once I've done my skates, we start moving stuff up to Dundonald and uh, getting ready for for the move out tomorrow night. When it comes to that, because obviously there are, like you say, there are two locations with Dundonald and the uh, and the SSE Arena. How difficult is it to, to flip between the two in regards to facilities and what you have to provide? Um, it's not, you know what, I've been here so long now, it's, a routine, it's, it's an easy routine for me, you know. So, so game will finish tomorrow, tomorrow night, 9.30. Guys will be out there equipment by 10, van loaded by about 10.30, straight up Dundonald's, unpack it all, and then come back and finish off, do the laundry, and get everything packed away for the concert the, the next day, you know, so... Damn astronaut coming in tomorrow on Thursday for a tour. That's right. So and then we got to back to Friday. So Friday, move back in. I get I get an hour and a half slot to move everything in. So uh, unload the van, bring the bags in, ready to go for Saturday morning. You know, but Saturday Saturday will start a bit earlier because everything I've moved like from the other room, like bikes and stuff like that, uh, all that stuff, phys- uh, physio beds and stuff. Everything's got to be moved back out, put in position for the physios coming in and masseuses. And it's, you know, I probably get, probably get in for 7.30 for the guys coming for nine. It gives an insight to, obviously we spoke about the, the, that long road stretch leading over the Christmas period about how difficult it was for the guys, you know, trying to get their, in the mindset and to be away from the arena. What was it like for yourself? Loved it. Loved every Loved it. <laughs> Honestly, it, it, you know what? Left on a Friday, packed the gate up Friday evening, got on the ferry overnight, Saturday morning, drive to where I was going, Nottingham, Milton Keynes, Sheffield, get set up, get set up. And then when the guys come in, they're like, this is just unbelievable. Just to see their faces, you know, they appreciate it, you know, especially going to Sheffield, 
you know, coming away for the win and the guys come up to thank staff, that's all you. And they're all ready for us. And, you know, um, there was one trip this year we played in Coventry. So I drove to Coventry, set it all up. I was going to leave the gear in Coventry. I thought to myself, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave it here. I'm just going to put it on the van, drive to Cardiff at six in the morning, drove down, unpacked all gear, got all drive for the guys, laundry done, skates done, you know, and the guys appreciate it, you know, so it's, uh, you know, something I love doing and, uh, I wish I could drive every weekend. This one of the things that you talked about is going around the arenas and, and obviously had a long road trip. There was a, there was somebody, I can't remember who it was, that said, about an incident that happened at the Manchester Drizzle Dome, um, that they intensely soaked the floor. Um, would that be a true story, or was that like a regular occurrence over there? I'll be honest with you, Man- the floor in Manchester's dressing room is soaking all the time. Perhaps. That, that, that's not you know, accurate. Because I, I, I never put the bags on the floor when I open them. <laughs> no, whether it's from the night before where they've, they've had a practice and they've, they've mopped the floors or wherever, or they've come in the morning. And it's always wet, but I always take a few fans with me in a heater and, you know, it's, it's dry for the guys coming in, but it is always wet. Well, well you've been in Belfast now for, is it 13, this your 14th season? No, 15, is it? 15. You haven't changed a bit, mate. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so have we all. The, um, but you must have heard some guys chirping on the bench. Who's the best chirper you've had playing for Belfast chance? Uh-huh. It's only one person in shape like that guy, <laughs> Pat Bateman. Pat Bateman. Uh, what a player. Oh, unbelievable. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. We're in uh, Coventry, and um, there's a the front row we sit behind the bench, and they were just chirping all game, all game. And Pat Bateman was like, Jesus, these guys are just doing my head in. He said, they really, really doing my head in. Uh, one of them made a comment, and Pete Beatty made a comment back. He said, yeah, I'll get you, I'll get you. So uh, we went back to Coventry probably probably a month later, and Beatty said, and he said, Taff, you're going to need that spray adhesive? <laughs> he said, for wrap, you know, to put bandages on your arm. I said, yeah, I've got a tin in the medical box. He said, can I get it? Yeah, no problem. So I looked around, can't find Beatty. He's only sitting up in the seats where these people are abusing him with his stick, and he's taping it. And I'm like, what are you doing? He went, He's spraying all the seats with his. <laughs> so uh, he comes off a wall and they start shooting Beatty. Beatty's going, How are you doing? Great seats, then. Great seats. And honestly, God, they couldn't move. They were stuck to the seats. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Um, they never chirped him again. Never chirped him again. Half, if, if I can go kind of kind of backwards one step there, previous questions that guys were asking, you're saying that you drove down that night from Coventry down to Cardiff and, you know, down there for six in the morning or whatever, and you, you get your laundry done. Obviously, you know, you've got a real good relationship down there with Dees and the, the guy in Nottingham, you've got a, a great gig going on there. Are you as a little band within within all these organisations that kept me on yeah. how, how crucial you are? Is it, yeah, you know, real reciprocal thing going on? It's it's growing. It's growing. Um, Scottish teams don't buy into it. Brayhead do. Brayhead do buy into it. But everybody else just doesn't want to, you know, the Edinburgh, the Fives, um, the Dundee, you know. You know, I think I, I think I was talking to you and Kiefer down Nottingham, and he, Kiefer was kind of of the opinion it should just be mandated. When you get there, there should be, when you got down to Nottingham, your coffee sitting out, there should be coffee for the guys. 
There should be towels for the guys. And if that was the case at every arena, then it would be sitting waiting on those Scottish guys when they got here too. Dally, like, and we, we, we still supply, we still supply coffee for the, every, t- every team. We supply coffee for every team. Even though you go to Scotland to Edinburgh, if you go to Fife or you go to Dundee, they don't supply. We've got to buy our own. You know, if you're sitting there, you, you know, we'll return the favour. We'll put 20 towels out for you, eight rolls of white, eight rolls of black, eight rolls of clear. You know, it's all there sitting for you. It doesn't hurt. And it saves saves you, saves me when I come back from a row game. All I've got to wash is my, my underwear, my jerseys and socks. And that's it. It saves time for everybody, even the home teams, you know. So Why do you think, uh, why do you think they don't buy into it? Yeah. And I don't think it's fun, to be honest. I just don't think they can be bothered. You know, they, they, them, them two teams... Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh and uh, Dundee, they don't have full-time trainers. Hmm. But um, everybody else has, has a trainer or you know, someone that, do, that does help out with the team. But it's, uh, I think it should be a league rule for every team. Every team coming in, there should be 20 towels, you know, tape, coffee, tea, whatever. And it's not hard to do. It's not hard to do. No. Especially, especially without a rink, if, you know... Manchester Storm came in on Sunday and West Life in on Monday. All I just go in, I just take the trolley of towels out, take the coffee machines and it's away. You know, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. We got a question in from, uh, on, on Twitter from Matt Patton. Uh, he says, who's the most fussy player that you've worked with for the Giants? Fussiest player? Oof. Jeffrey Suez. <laughs> Why? Uh, you know what it was the second time he was here? You know, I just couldn't guess. It was weird because he would play Edinburgh on a Saturday night and he'd be wearing, he'd have two sets of gear, shin pads, pants. And then he'd say, I want to wear them pants tomorrow. I want to wear them pants. I want them shin pads, some shoulder pads. And I'm like, really? You know, um, yeah, he was, he was weird. Hell of a play, weird. But then, yeah, Zemery, he was another one. Um, when we went to five feet, he'd have to have a, a, a 95 flex stick because it's too cold. And then when we'd go Nottingham, he had to have a 100 flex stick to make it a bit whippier. I'm like, really? You know? <laughs> and honestly, I had three different flexes. What do you want this weekend? Uh, Dez, and you go, Oh, we'll go with the 85s this week. <laughs> Crazy. Not even give you a heads up before you travel? Oh, yeah, I always asked him. I always asked him, I said, what do you want, 85, 95, or 100? Oh, we'll go 85 this time. <laughs> Rebecca Hamilton, talking about sticks, she's uh, tweeted into us, which player has broke the most sticks this season? Oh, there's only one. <laughs> there's only one, the Greek. That's got to be Spiro. got to be Spiro, I thought that. <clears throat> Yes, Davey brought up a, a stat. Our, our resident stat man uh, brought up a stat the other day. He's the quickest Belfast Giant defenseman ever to reach fifty points, and that's up against that's some annoying. tough competition. You know, don't forget he's been suspended and injured. I, I've said that to him today in the interview. You know what I mean? You know, but he is absolute quality. Like, I've got a good one for you today. He said, "Taff, is there any good Greek restaurants in uh, Belfast?" I said, "I'll go." You know, <laughs> three kebab shops. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely get it, he was. <laughs> <laughs> we 
we got one in from uh, from John Ford here. Actually, he says, well, "It's interesting. How did you get into what you're doing, and how did you get the GB gig?" Um, by accident, I went in uh, Cardiff at the time, and a friend of mine said, um, "I'm going to leave Ali. I'm going to leave Ali to watch the Devils play. Do you want to come with?" I went, "Yeah, I'm out of work at the minute, so yeah, no problem. I'll come for the ride." So I got to leave Ali first period. Brian Wilkie got put the head against the grass, Bubbles Joe, and the gentleman Owen Jenkins who looked after the team in Cardiff at the time. They can look after the sticks and the water bottles well. I think, yeah, no problem. So um, after the game, I packed a ball of six water bottles, put them on the bus, took all the jerseys, put them all away for him. And John Lawless turned around to me and said, what are you doing Tuesday night? And I went, not a lot. He said, well, I've got a job. See you Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that was that. And then uh, I did such, you know, did such a good job with GB. I helped out with the the GB team when they were uh, we had the World Championships Pool D in Cardiff many years ago. Um, and then uh, who's the guy? Tony Day from Hull. He was the he was the equipment guy, and he said to me, he "said Would you like to you know join me for the GB?" And I went, "Yeah." So went to Milton Keynes. I didn't go. That year was the team, and they won gold medal. Um, so they said, look, after this tournament, you're in next year. So and that's ever since, you know, 17 years for GB, you know. There, there's been some standout players, of course, that have played for the Giants over the years. Taffy, you know, Jason Ruff, for me, um, the greatest of them all. Um, would you have someone that you would hold slightly in, in higher esteem than the rest? In terms of in terms of ability and, and just what he brought to the game, Jason Ruff is is my all time number one, all time number one on and off the ice, absolute gentleman, you know, awesome player, um, you know, could do everything off the ice, fantastic, great family man, but uh, I got a lot of time for him. We had really good friends, really good friends, both of us. You know, if you're gonna have a fan appreciation, I think uh, you should bring over Ruffles. Uh, we, we, are, we are talking about it. We're in negotiations now. Tanya, he's, you can come and save me. Not a problem. Love the guy. It's interesting. A lot of people saying that above above like somebody who had the, the, the talents of, of like Theo Fleury. Yeah, Theo was different. You know, Theo, you know, he was a great, great guy. Really good guy. But he had some good players playing around as well with uh, Eddie and Shieldsy at the time. But, uh, yeah, Theo was good. He kept himself to himself, really. You know, he's, he's trying to prove prove to people that he could still play the game. And, you know, with his past, with his past. And, you know, and he told some great stories, some great stories. And honest, he was an honest guy, you know. Um, and, I, you know, we had a good bond. I visited him a couple of times in Calgary, um, you know, so... Yeah, but Jason Ruff would be my number one. Probably I'd have Kiefer as number two. And then Steve That's it for me. He, he walked into my house tonight with Steve Saviano's shirt on like... <laughs> yeah, promise it. You promise it. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that... Um, okay, we, we, we're to pat himself and David are all Belfast Giants fans. Um, you know, I think you've gathered that part. Um, and, you know, we're watching this team and this organisation build from... From year one, and, and obviously uh, to where we are now, and they said it would never last. Um, you've been there for fifteen years now. You, what's the strangest thing you've ever seen happening at the arena, or even well, it's on the ice or off the ice? Strangest thing. Mm. It can be team related, or it can be 
you know, off the ice. Couldn't really say. You're not allowed to say. I could say, but uh, strangest thing. Wow. Been a lot. Now I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot. Um, I couldn't really say, to be honest with you. What, what about the local boys? You know, they all come in. The, they, they've had some real crackers, yeah. obviously. Uh, Mark Morris and Davies. Davies got Matt. romance going on with him. Oh. Uh, Garth, Roberts, Garth, Martin, Martin Wally. Wally um, and you know. Hugh Smith. Hugh Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Kelly. Seen them kids coming through. I met, I met, I met Graham before I came to Belfast. He was at a, a GB Prospects in Cardiff at the time. And we knew each other from there. But when I first came here, you know, it was, it was awesome. Great bunch of kids dying to play for the Belfast Giants. After all the success they had the three years before I came here, you know, they said, you know, chomping at the bit and they had the tryouts and stuff like that. And they came in and they loved every minute. They, they listened to everything. And that was, that, that's when the, the one thing that was missing here, getting proper coaching for kids, you know, and just think them, them guys, like Wally got a testimonial, Matt Morrison, I don't know what games he played, you know, Gareth Martin, uh, Chris McGimsey, you know, Chris McGimsey, who would have thought he would have shutouts in the league? That's right, yeah. You know what I mean? Could he stand up, skate? Couldn't skate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can stop the puck, you know what I mean? So, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it was good seeing him coming through. I'll tell you one thing, one strange thing I've seen. Go ahead. So, uh, Mike Menard's playing in net for the Belfast Giants and, uh, second period and, um, he hurt his knee and, um, he said, I can't go. He said, I can't go. And, um, they said, Gimp, he said, uh, you're up. Gimp said, I can't go. He said, he said, what do you mean? He said, I high five Wally on the bench. He said, and I snapped my collarbone. <laughs> That was horrible. Didn't you know that? No. Yeah. That, that, that takes us back um, tough. <laughs> Nicely to that season where Minnie's obviously gone down, Gipper's gone down, brought in Nathan Craze, who it turned out to, to be sensational for the short period of time there that season. And we've, we've ended up with backup netminders like uh, Jason Taff-Ellery, <laughs> um, David Shields, David Shields yeah. I, mean, I can't, couldn't tell you how many goalies we had five or six goalies that season I think this season's one that of the one as well. sorry it's a strange moment as well because Nathan Craze got picked for, for Great Britain mm-hmm. and it just left Mike Menard and me so I had a kid up against Nottingham Kurt Bowen was playing for him at the time and I think we're winning like 5-3 or something like that and I'm on the blue line. And I'm shouting. I'm in. I'm in, I'm in uh, Gimper's goalie equipment, and I'm shouting at the, the Nottingham trainer, going, "Adam, Adam!" He's looking around. He's going, "Someone shouting at me." I said, "Goody, goody!" He's looking around. Who's shouting at me? I lift my mask. I said, "It's me inside the mask." He said, "You're kidding me." <laughs> and I went, "Oh God!" He said, "That you're nuts." And I'm taking shots in warm up and everything. And then uh, <laughs> three minutes to go in the game, Mike Menard takes a skate across the throat. And uh, there's blood pissing everywhere. And I'm like, oh, God. And the fans are going, bring on Taff, bring on Taff. And I'm like, not a chance. Not <laughs> and I was kicking myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You've, to be fair, you've you've better stats than Kevin Kelly, but um, just didn't tell us here. But um, that was uh, that was a that was a season there where you wouldn't have expected to be sitting up on the same bench as Theo Fleury. That's probably a some one to tell the grandkids. That's funny as well because when Theo came in, I picked him up in the airport uh, with his thirty-two bags, twelve <laughs> tubs. So then they said, "Right, I'll take all your stuff to the ring." So he took Theo to his apartment. Yeah, that's good. Theo walk, and I told him I'm the trainer. But then I walk, he walks in the dress room, goes round the room, shakes hand with everybody, and I'm in the goalie equipment. He's going, well, you're the trainer. <laughs> Part-time goalie. Well, you know? well, welcome to the Elite League. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so it was, it was quite funny, actually. Do you think, do you think, Taft, that season, that the Coventry Blaze and maybe some of the Coventry Blaze support crossed the line with the abuse that, that Theo, I know that Theo was very quick to jump on some of it, but it was obviously, I remember being in Toronto actually and picking up the newspaper and it was on the front page of the newspaper on a Monday morning, Theo trying to get out of the penalty box. Absolutely awful, because they were, thro- they were throwing bags of um, talcum powder in, you know, in the penalty box. And I, you know what, the guy's had a tough life. If you've read his books, read it, you know. You can see what he's gone through. There was no need of it. No need of it. And then we played in the Challenge Cup semi-final or something like that, and he got his teeth knocked out by Evan Shevery. Yeah. And the next time we went there, there's a girl. She has to be over six or seven years old. And she had a poster, uh, Theo, Fleury, Theo, Theo the Tooth, tooth Flurry. You know, she made a picture of him. And I'm like, really? You know, and then the same night, um, he went off the ice and his girlfriend, his wife at the time, fiance, I think, someone threw a two pence piece and hit him in the head. And he went apps. It, it took about five of us to restrain him. You know, and one of them was Jason Bowen trying to restrain the guy. He thought he was going to kill someone, but they did step, they did step up with Mark. Being on the bench for his, for his day. <laughs> yeah. It must have been something. I mean, I was, I remember sitting in the crowd watching it. Like it was just fancy. Unbelievable, mate. Yeah. Was it seven points? Uh-huh. Three, three, three plus four. four. Yeah. And, uh, a fight three. against Freddie, do you? Do you? God rest his soul. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he battered him as well. <laughs> he, did. <laughs> he did as well. Yeah, it was a hell of a night. When it comes to the, um, we're going to move it on in a second, but we we'll sit here and chat the all night. The you've you know, you've been through quite a few coaches. I'm going to leave out Kiefer um, because it wouldn't be fair to that. But when you look back at the other guys. We'll say maybe Steve Thornton as well, but you know who who stands out with regards to the lads running the bench. You know, Eddie Hand, Courtney, Thornton. Eddie was his own. Eddie was in his own class. You know, he was quite. He was a quiet man, kept himself away from the players, and I, and I, I respected him for for what he was. You know, didn't get involved with the players. He just came in, did his job. Never hung out with the guys. Never went for a beer with the guys. He was just his own person. Dougie. Dougie, I, I I like Dougie a lot. He was a bit quirky at times, a bit quirky. But um, and then Eddie Corney, you know, player coach. I don't agree with the player coach, but he did well as a player coach. But he was, uh, you know, I'll be honest here. All all the coaches have, that have come in, are all good recruiters, have all done a great job. And obviously this season, you've you've had a. A guy's been in your locker room. You've yeah. been, you know, changing his nappy for six or seven years, um, and obviously, you know, he's now that he's now the boss. Yeah. How do you think he's getting on? You've been, you've watched a lot of hockey. A lot. Uh, of how hockey. do you think he's getting on? Awesome. 
absolutely fantastic. You know, he's he's done a great job, and I and I, I respect him. And I I was speaking to him. I can't remember where it was. I might you might be in this time, but I was sitting sitting with him and um, killer, killer and um, no, I wasn't killer. There was a couple of guys who were talking talking about me anyway, and they said, um, "Are you going to stay in Belfast?" And I said, "Look, I've had I've had a few offers from clubs, not just from here. From you know, I could have gone to China." Last year, um, and Saturday last season, I got an offer from a club, and I turned around and I said, "Look, I said this guy's first year, first year's coach, and I respect him a lot. He's done a lot for me over the years, and I don't think I could let him down. That's how much, that's how highly I think a keeper. I think he's a he could be the best thing for the Belfast Giants going forward from here. I think he's going to be." One of the top coaches in this league, and you know what? To get get called up for the group and national team his first year, is, you know, there's other coaches out there that could have taken it. Did you put a good word in for him, with Pete Russell? Nah, <laughs> nah, I didn't need to, mate. You know what he's what, he, what he's done this year. He's you know, he's deserved he's, it. He's on merit. Absolutely, he's on merit. So he could be up for coach of the year. To be honest with you, first year in, in the game, you know. So you never know. And do you think that maybe all the coaches to an extent reflect their playing style? You know, you've Dougie's team were a bit defensive, but vanilla, I think it was labelled at the time. You know, 80s was offensive. Stewie's was defensive. Yeah. Wally, Wally's was loosey-goosey. And, you know, Keepers has got that little bit of an edge. Just all styled on, kind of suppose it's hard. You, you play the game and you, you teach the game to other people the way you've played it. But, yeah, but Adam, Adam's got Got a good mentor and his brother, and his brother will tell you. His brother will tell you. Kiefer will tell you. And you look at the NHL now; it's all about speed. It's all about speed now. It's none of this, you know, defensive. It's get that puck up, get up, get up as quick as you can. You know, you you can't stop speed. It shows you, Darcy Murphy. You know, speed is the key, and that's the way for, and that's the way Kiefer Kiefer's going to build his team. I think. His speed. You've had a couple of, of uh, you know, obviously with the, there was a big turnaround in players this past summer, um, and you know, if, um, I think it was it was a nine or ten you guys yeah, came in, something like that. Um, uh, among the guys that was returning, you know, again you, you come into the house tonight with Steve Saviano shirt on. Yeah. Everybody I've spoke to, and I, I mean, it's been around the chance a long time as well, but anybody there that I've spoke to, um, especially in the years, who's one of the best teammates you've come up. Saviano was always mentioned. Oh, fantastic. You know what? The size of the guy, and you know his heart and commitment to the to the team. You know, and what he puts on the ice is out of this world, out of this world. And he's an absolute gentleman, absolute gentleman. And you don't get, you know, and that's this this year. We got a team of gentlemen. We have got a team of gentlemen. You know, people can say what they want about certain players. On he is an absolute gentleman. All of them. You have to get a skates from Baby Gap or something. Baby Gap? No, it's okay. I don't pay for eighty on this case. <laughs> It's interesting yeah. you say about it being like a room of gentlemen. How how often is it that you get a, a room that has maybe a, a toxic element? You always you always have one or two, one or two in the room. But this year has just been even you know even Rudy coming back this year, he, different mentality. He's coming he's coming late, and he and you know 
he's looked at the guys and thought, these guys are, are awesome. You know what I mean? And every guy in that room, fantastic. Every one of them. I think that's a good place to <clears throat> round this section off. Uh, we, we could continue this on for another hour. But, um, well, um, I took this job up in 1990. Um, I left a good job in 96 turned professional. I left a good job. Um, and my dad turned around to me and said, you'll never get anywhere in hockey. Mm-hmm. Never get anywhere in hockey. And I got my 125th cap for Great Britain and the first person to phone me was my dad to congratulate me and say, well done, son. And anybody who wants to be a trainer out there, you've got to work at it. You've got to work at it. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, it takes it takes weeks, months, years to get where I am. And you know what? It's the best job in the world. I think I'll leave one question. Why, why the Belfast Giants for so long, Taff? I bleed teal. That's it. And that's it. <laughs> Let's move it on to a couple of interviews. We first, we're going to hear in a second from Adam Keith, but first up, we mentioned him earlier on that he breaks a lot of sticks. Spiro Galakis. Spiro, uh, disappointing weekend if you look at it from a point of view of, of not picking up the four points that you were after. Uh, but the win against Fife, um, and then obviously the loss against Manchester. Um, I think it was more of the performance that hurt the guys. Yeah, uh, I don't know, it seemed sluggish, maybe a little tired or something. Um, didn't put together 60 minutes, obviously, and uh, they're obviously a team that's on a roll and came in here and kind of took advantage of uh, what seemed to be a tired team that night. Moving into this week, another three games uh, in a short space of time, five days. Dundee up first. Uh, they've already beat us twice this season, so you know that they're uh, going to come with uh, with a good chance of, of, of obviously overconfidence as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at this point, I think it's just uh, we got to worry about ourselves and put our best game forward. And uh, I think we'll like the results for sure. But uh, I mean, we're when we lose, I mean, we're kind of just beating ourselves at this point. It's not necessarily that the other team's taking it to us. So, but going back, uh, you've the, you're the quickest defenseman uh, to ever reach fifty points for the Belfast Chance. That's there's some accolade considering you know the history of some of the defense we've had in Belfast. Yeah, uh, I mean, I wasn't aware of that at all, but just fortunate that, you know, we got a pretty strong team this year and obviously got a lot of offensive power and just been able to contribute. And, yeah, it's a nice nice honour to have, I guess. Do you think you would have made uh, a wee bit quicker if you hadn't spent 189 minutes in the penalty box? I'd like to think so, but <laughs> never know. Sure, thanks for your time. No problem. Adam, uh, next weekend, um, let's start on Friday night against Fife. Uh, great start. Uh, managed to let Fife get back into it, uh, but overall um, picking up a two points and uh, a victory that um, you know a team chasing you was very important. Yeah, I think uh, I like the way we started the game uh, against Fife, and obviously we were, it was just a matter of time before we got those goals when we got the big lead, and then then we got complacent, let them back into the game, and, and they're a dangerous team. You know, they have some dangerous offensive forwards that can uh, strike when you give them a chance, and, and they did. And then uh, second period for about five minutes there, we had a lapse in judgment there, and we conceded three. Uh, third period, I thought we were back to being all right. You know, we took over the game again, and just uh, I thought they, they did the right things to make sure that we, we saw out that game. Um, gave them Saturday off to recover, and noise here, and... Um, Maybe that was a mistake. We came out real flat. 
um, Sunday against uh, uh, a Manchester side that's three points back from us, or was three points back from us, and uh, it was a massive game, and it looked like Manchester wanted it more. It doesn't get any easier. Three more games this week, uh, starting tomorrow evening against Dundee, um, and Dundee have had some good form in the last few weeks as well. Yeah, they're a team that's battling for playoffs. You know, they, they can't afford losses. You know, I watched the interviews uh, in the, the game versus Brayhead last last weekend. They had a back to back with Bray, which is a massive. You know, you think about our back to back with Cardiff and how big that is for uh, the Elite League title run. You know, they just had a back to back with Brayhead Clan, um, which you know make or breaks their or, or could make or break their their playoff run and. Um, you know they lose both, and you could see the disappointment in, in uh, Pash's face, and uh, you know the rest of the team. And obviously, that their team that's battling hard, and, and you know, in his comments, uh, I'm taking words out of his mouth, and and I don't blame him. You know, now they have to go, and they got to steal points from from big teams, and uh, we're one of those teams that's up next for them. So um, I, I expect nothing different than than the best, but. Dundee star team we've faced yet and, and that's a, a scary prospect because we've already lost twice to Dundee stars so we know that they can compete and uh, they have a lot of little fast skilled players and they got some big guys some big bodies that can put the puck in there as well so um, we're going to have to be at our best and, and that's just that's just what we have to do we have to be at our best every night you know we got to find a way and if you're if you're not f- feeling it on the night you got to find a way to contribute, uh, whether or not that's chipping pucks and being simple and not costing us, and, and that's the key. Uh, not everybody's going to be feeling a hundred percent on every given night, so you got to find a way to contribute. You got to find a way to be a positive, having a positive impact on the game. And uh, we didn't do that on Sunday, and, and we lost as a result. And we're going to have to do it on uh, tomorrow. Um, you know, you got this stage where uh, a few weeks ago you were looking to get ever more or less everybody healthy, less Garside and Stephen Murphy, Dustin John are coming back into the lineup, and then you've lost Jim Vandermeer and Colin Shields. Is there any update on uh, those two guys? Well, Vandermeer's he's a bit long term. You know, he's not coming back anytime soon. Uh, hopeful for for the playoffs. Um, we'll see. We'll see how he progresses. Uh, that's just an unfortunate thing. And, yeah, we certainly miss him and, and obviously his experience on the back end, uh, that's for sure. Um, I mean, his, his resume speaks for itself, and, and you can see that uh, uh, experience on the ice. Um, so we certainly miss that. And then, you you know, you take the other guys out of it. Uh, Colin Shields is uh, you know, a top-end uh, British national player that, that we – are lucky to have, and uh, you take him out of the lineup, and it, it hurts our depth significantly. And um, you know, I mean, you take out the Stephen Murphys and the Mark Garsides, and uh, yeah, we're we're certainly hurting in in, in that department. Uh, but we still have a very capable team. There's no excuses, um, and we won't be making any. Uh, you know, it's everybody's got to step up and pull their weight. And then uh, the North two weeks before the deadline. Um, is there a chance of, but obviously missing Jim Vandermeer, is there a chance you might be looking out for uh, maybe a bit of help on the back end? Certainly always looking for anything that can improve our hockey team, whether that's a forward or a defense. Uh, certainly a uh, defenseman is the area that uh, we could use a little boost in right now. But, uh, you know, we have very capable guys to go in that lineup right now uh, and, and Benny and, and Mace have been uh, 
Benny's a forward that's transitioned well into a defenseman. He's smart, he's simple, uh, and he gets the job done for us. And, and Mason's a guy that we we took out of retirement, uh, and he's done a great job for us as well. So, I mean, you know, again, there's no excuses, and um, we have what we have right now. we got to get the job done. Um, you know, if, the, if the right player comes along, um, I'm sure that we'll, we'll try and make a move if, if he makes this club better. Time to reveal who won January's Player of the Month award sponsored by Phonacab. We give you your four nominees and over 850 of you cast your vote to decide on the winner. So, with 10% of the vote was Brandon Benedict. 11% of the vote went to Darcy Murphy. 24% of the vote went to Spiro Galakis. And with 55% of the vote and the first player to have his name on the A View from the Bridge Player of the Month trophy twice, it's Jackson Whistle. Congratulations to Jackson, as I said, on winning it for the second time. And thank you to everybody who cast their vote. And of course, thanks to Phonacab for sponsoring the award. Congratulations to Jackson Whistle winning the Player of the Month, David. He did indeed, um, uh, and he won it well. He, he, back, he had to face an awful lot of robbery. He had to face an awful lot more games this season than probably he anticipated at the start of the season. And then, obviously, with Truly coming in, maybe thought he was going to get a, the odd night off and maybe not have to train as much. But obviously, Gary going down put paid to that, and he, he's done really well. It was hard to pick a shortlist, let alone you know players. Some players had phenomenal months, but. You know, Jackson's done really well. He's got his numbers are up now over 900 through 60 games for the club. Goals against average blow three. You know, he gives us a chance to win most nights. And, you know, we get a 60-minute game. We get a defensive performance in front of him. And as I said before, our guys always score goals and Jackson will stop the puck. You know, he's done really, really well. He looks like he went to the same primary school as Alex Foster at times when you see him after the games. When he's, <laughs> But, you know, he's... He is dedicated in that he'll get straight out of the locker room when all the guys are getting themselves and he's on the foam roller and he's on the baseball and he's getting himself. His first thought after the when a game finishes, get myself ready for the next game, get myself ready for practice. He's dedicated to the Belfast Giants and you know, and he's had a really, really good month and he's got his name on the first player ever to have his name on that trophy twice. Simon? Yeah, great. You know, he's been since Stephen Murphy went out, he's had to pick up a majority of the load. He's only missed a couple of games since, and and uh, he's just so led back. Like I mean, he, uh, I, I think he, he just, I thought, I think he's been outstanding. I think he, you know, the the percentage of the fans that uh, voted for him just goes to show how highly thought he of he actually is in Belfast as well. So, uh, congratulations to him for the first time that anybody's ever won it twice, and we're only in our second season. But um, you know, this twice in twice in three months he's won it. Twice in three months, November and nope. January. Yeah, well, you know, again, there's still there's still three months to go, so you never know, he might win another one. Taff, your thoughts on Jackson Whistle, how he settled into the role as being well, 
I guess, number one that matter? Yeah, um, after last year, he had a troublesome year with his injury there, but uh, after his surgery. But uh, this year, he's a totally different different kettle of fish. He's uh, before practice, after practice, before games, after games. He's stretching. You know, his physique is a lot better than it was last year. He's lost a lot of weight. Um, and he, he seems more committed. You know, he's, you know, he's, I think he realizes his position now. He is the number one and, you know, he's, he's worked hard to where he is. You know, like you said, he does walk like, uh, walk out like Alex Foster. You think, Jesus, he's not going to make tomorrow. But you know what? Back the next day, you know, ice baths after every practice, every game. He's awesome, you know. Um, and there's only one or two games this year he hasn't turned up, you know, and, no, you know, it happens to every goalie. Every goalie has a bad game, but, you know, he's got the other guys in front of him to, to help him out, you know, so. But, uh, no, I think he's, uh, settled in really well this year. Long may it continue, you know, it's, um, you know, I think I, you know, he's pushing, he's pushing Ben Bounds for, for Great Britain now, you know, so, so, uh, hopefully we'll have a bit of a battle there. Absolutely. Congratulations, Jackson. As Simon says, second, the second time this year, I'm the first player to have his name twice on that trophy. Thanks to Phonacab for sponsoring the award. Uh, around the league, uh, I'll not do the Dops jingle because we're just going to fire through it. Stevie Lee's hit two game suspension. Davey? Haven't seen it. Panther game. <laughs> Simon? Yeah, I, I actually watched it earlier on. It's a bad hit. I mean, Stevie Lee's not that type of player, but um, Zach Fitzgerald beats him for speed, which you probably won't hear very often. You don't hear um, that very often at all, do you? Yeah, you know, he, he gets to the blue line, he dumps the puck in, he keeps skating, um, and it's a bad hit. To be honest with you, two games, I think he's got off very, very lightly, and they may, they may take his character into consideration because I can't remember Stevie D being suspended before. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, the two games, uh, suspension. I think he's been very light, but um, and I think Fitzgerald's out injured, so um, it'd be interesting to see how long he's out for. But yeah, hundred hundred percent suspension. You seen the hit, tough? Yeah, I seen it. Yep. What do you think? Yep. It's a bad hit. Yeah, it's a bad hit. But you know what? Like like Simon said, Dewey Lee's not that type of player. He's not. You know, I've known him for a long time. You know, he's a he's a captain of the Nottingham Panthers. He's not that type of guy. Um, you know what? And it happens. You know, Russia blood. Yeah. Tough week for the Panthers after being eliminated from the Challenge Cup, Davy. They went on to have a not point weekend with a beaten at the hands of their nearest and dearest shut out <coughs> at home to the Sheffield Steelers and then beaten by the league, by the reigning league champions and leaders, the uh, Cardiff Devils. If you look at some of their social media, you look at some of the fans' reactions, there's a lot of Corey out being shouted. Is that fair? Paddy, this is a recurring theme with the Nottingham Panthers over a long number of years. You know, you've got to, you've got to realise the success that ultimately Corey Nielsen has brought that club over the last what since he retired six years, five six years, something like that. Since he since he hung the skates up, he he played in the championship season, didn't he? The league championship season, and then stepped down straight after and started the coaching full time. He was fair so, yeah. coach, was he? I think so. Um, so, you know, and he's brought them a lot of playoff success. He's, they've brought them a lot of um, Challenge Cup success. There's been silverware brought to um, Nottingham over the last lot of years. And 
the, the CHL thing has definitely hampered them this season. You know, they were, as, as somebody said to me earlier today, they were the last British team to be beaten at um, this season. And, uh, you know, it, it's hampered their season. They came back from that and didn't somebody write in the newspaper who can stop them or it's it's theirs to lose. The, the league's theirs to lose. And the, the 15 games, they've, they've, they've lost 15 out of their last 23 or something. You know, it's a, it's a sensationally bad run they're on. But, you know, I think if any other coach hadn't built up the sort of the money in the bank, if you like, that, that Corey has in terms of, of success that he's brought them, they would be under trouble. Now, I, I see this link that you sent through earlier on from the case for fans asking to have a protest to try and get the coach sacked. And I don't, like, I don't want to see anybody lose their job. You know, I, I, effectively, that's what people are asking. They're asking for a man to lose his livelihood. And, you know, it never ends well for a coach. There's very, very few coaches. You can take the likes of maybe Paul Eady aside. There's never a coach that really leaves a club on good terms, you know, that generally they end up getting the boot eventually. But, you know, I'm not going to lose too much sleep over the predicament the Nottingham Panthers find themselves in. You know, they're seventh place team. That brings me a little joy. But, you know, I listen to the TCW and the guys standing outside in the rain just really shooting from the hip because they were disappointed at a 4-0 home loss. And, you know, we went through this a couple of weeks ago. We went to Sheffield and we got gubbed it. You can't, Simon and me said, and you said all the time, you, and it's the hockey Mike Bobcock cliche, you know, you can't get too high when things are good. And whenever you're in a bit of a bind, you can't get too low. It's a, it's a game of inches. And somebody said on that, you know, program, we actually played quite well for 40 minutes. And to concede four goals against a team like the Sheffield Steelers isn't, a massive tragedy, you know, we, we lost what, eight to them the other week ourselves. Their bigger problem at the minute is they seem to be going through games where they just can't, they came and scored six against us, so they can't be, there's accusations, well, we can't score goals. Well, you, you clearly can. There's there's an effort level there that at the Panthers and you might you might play through some of those players may not be playing for that coach. And, and you know, Player power is a big thing, but it's a bigger thing in football. I think, you know, clubs stand by and, and they've stood by Corey through thick and thin and he has brought them success. And as Taff has said there earlier in the show, they're a team built, or not necessarily built, they want to win the league every year, but they're a team that seem to have a recipe for success in one-off games and the short format tournaments. They can do well in the Challenge Cup. They've got the semi-final this year. They've the playoffs ahead of them, which they're going to qualify. And, you know, two games and they've got a home weekend. Uh, you know, I wouldn't rule them out of the playoffs, especially when they, we see the three games that they've played in Belfast over the last, you know, sort of three, four weeks. They're a good team, but nah, I see this here sign up and stand up and boo. Not for me. Taff, you know, as Davey says, that's a sensationally bad run that they're on. They're, they're losing games hand over fist, especially considering that they were doing so well in the CHL. Brings me back to that, what was it, an 11-game losing streak under Ed Courtney and trying to snap that. You know, the atmosphere of the guards in the room and how difficult it is to try to turn the tide. What what sort of predicament do you think Corey's in now? Um, I don't think he's a predicament. You know, um, don't forget, they played a lot of hockey. You know, CHL. You know, these teams that play CHL and stuff like that, you know, uh, what was the one? Um, Continental. Continental Cup. It's a lot of hockey. Um, and if they, you know what, up, up until just for Christmas when that streak started, you know, their goalies were probably one, one and two in the league by far. And you know what? If your goalies are not performing, your, your players are thinking, Jesus, no, another night. You know what I mean? 
you know, them two couldn't stop a beach ball. They could not stop a beach ball, them two. I think, I, you know, on paper, they are the best two-goalie tandem in the league. You know, I think they should bring, if they're struggling with goalies, they should bring in gospel. Give, yeah. give, them, a, give them a shot to give them a wake-up, you know. But I think Corey will be okay, you know. How many trophies has he won over the years, you know? Well, I mean, you, you obviously know him a lot better than yeah. the, the way we do. See, you've been on with him in the, on Team GB. What yeah. type of guy is he? He, he? Really nice guy. Really nice guy. Intense. Intense. The best, the best out of his players. But you know what? He might have a bad guy in the room and he can't put his finger on it or something like that. Some of the guys just like, you know, not uh, doing it. Do you know what? It's one of these things, Paddy. I, I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. They brought in. They brought in somebody a few weeks ago. Pither. They brought Pither. in Pither. He had eleven teams in five years, and this guy uh, Vascovoyu has had thirteen teams in six years. Now, to me, that means that the, the, the mic could be awkward in the dressing room. Yeah. You know, they, they coaches don't want to keep him around. I just don't understand why they keep on bringing these. I mean, Pither. On his debut, he scored two goals against us. Yeah. He's done nothing since. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Vascovoy made his debut last Wednesday night. He scored against us as well. It's You know, you, you always want to play good in your debut. But, I, look, I, I think Taft's 100% right. I think it's a matter of there's there's a, there's a poison in that dressing room and they need to get rid of it. But do you know what? For me, long may I continue. I hope they finish 10th. Um, you know, 7th <laughs> at the minute. And I'm, this, this is the point that I'm, that I'm getting to now, guys. I, w- I really don't want to face them in the quarterfinals of the playoffs. Agree. Yeah, I think they got rid of the wrong guy. Which one? Um, Shala? Shala. I, I think he's cl- absolutely class. I thought Shala was outstanding. You know, when he played against us early in the year, he was outstanding. I'm thinking, why well, get he top? There, there, there has to be, Taff, that's one of those ones, there has to be more to that. Shala hadn't exactly dried up and he's gone on, he's gone back to the coast and burned him up there. Like, you know, he's... Over a point a game, I think, for the club that he's gone back to. But yeah, you know, you, you know, don't, no, no, no disrespect, no disrespect to not. Now you know what, like Simon said, they could still win silver this year. Yeah, do not count Nottingham Panthers out. I'm telling you now, when they want to turn up, they're going to turn up. And don't forget, they were missing Evan Mosey, they were missing Spang. Yeah, you yeah. know what? You know what? There's two two key players to your team. Whenever Mosey was in that lineup against us, he wasn't in the lineup against us in. Was it in Nottingham the one game? Yeah, Nottingham, yeah. we beat him. Right? Yeah, he wasn't there. Spang scores against us all the time. Yeah, and then when, when he wasn't playing against us, injured, like last week in the Challenge Cup, different team. Different team. I think he brings energy to that team. Uh. Two quick points before we move on to look ahead. The um, the Elite League have changed their playoff format. What was previously agreed was that the fact that the league champion would obviously be the number one seed with the two conference winners being seed two and three based on where they finished in the league, I suppose, and everybody else would follow, for, follow through. However, we now have a situation where it'll just be one through to eight as per league standings, Davey. 
Yeah, it seemed we were kind of chatted about this. Like last week, I asked Todd Dudium the question. He just wasn't one hundred percent sure why. If it had been a change that had been made, or whether he just wasn't one hundred percent sure. But it, it it does seem to do away for the necessity of the um, of the conference, I suppose. But um, well, there's no reward, real strong reward for for winning your conference anymore. But um, is the ensure teams that maybe are looking like they could be heading towards the wrong end of the... It's just a, it's a funny time that the decision or the press release went out. Yeah, I think it's a, an interesting one. The cynic in me looks at who's not riding high in the league standings mm-hmm. and looking at, better, looking at better playoff position, but then that's just the cynic in me. Obviously, there's also been an announcement that the playoffs are now to be absolutely stunned. There's actually going to be a sponsor. Three years sponsors of the playoff by Bet Predictor. They'll be called the Bet Predictor Playoffs, uh, says... Um, any thoughts on that? Really, I don't. Holly Powered Oil, man. <laughs> Cardiff based, Cardiff based predictor bet. Oh, the Cardiff based. Shocker! Shocker! It's one of those, uh, you know. Nah, I don't actually have an opinion on it. <laughs> no, me neither. Right, let's look, not. I've seen the new social media policy. Let's <laughs> let, let, let's let, let's look ahead. We got three three games in the next seven days. To hear us, we've got one tomorrow night against or tonight, as this is going on Wednesday, of course, against the Dundee Stars, which will be at seven p.m. We got the Caps on Saturday at home at seven p.m. and we have the MK Lightning on Sunday at four p.m. We are going to chat in a moment with Jonathan Boxall. But first up, Dave, had a chat with the head coach of the Dundee Stars, Omar Pasha. We're joined this evening by Dundee Stars head honcho, Omar Pasha. And Pasha, welcome back to you from the bridge. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Big privilege to be back. Of course, and uh, of course you bring your own team into Belfast later this evening for a, a titanic clash with the Belfast Giants. And uh, how's all things with you in Dundee? That's good. You know, fighting for that for that playoff, but um, you know, so it's uh, it's after a, kind of a disappointing weekend. We're we're ready to start again uh, tomorrow night in Belfast, uh, God's country. So we're all excited to get back there. Let's look back at week last weekend. You know, the the two losses to Brayhead Clan have really put a big dent in that challenge. You know, you're just just slightly sitting outside looking in. One more game against the Clan, which is I think next weekend. That's that's going to be a crucial game. Maybe the weekend after. That's going to be a crucial point this season. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, for us, we're looking at every game uh, one by one. Um, you know, we, we have 15 games left in the season, and you know, we're five points behind, with two games in hand. So, uh, you know, there's still uh, there's still uh, obviously a lot of hockey left to be played, but uh, it's all crunch time, and uh, every game for us will be a, a must win, and you know, starts tomorrow, and that you know, those games against uh, you know our conference teams, Fife. Um, this weekend and obviously day and next week will be will be even bigger. So I'm looking forward to the challenge. It's going to be a, a great, uh, great last 15 games, and um, I think the boys are up to it. I guess, as you put it, there are three games or three games in hand, five points back. It, it's still in your own hand. The destiny, I suppose, at this time of the season, if you had sat down at the start of the season, and said, "Come Valentine's Day, with an opportunity to still have the the, the uh, playoffs in our own hands." Is that where you would expect it to be, or where your your sights slightly higher than where you are? I think if you look back and 
you know, with the Gino is uh we see it from for uh you know, to start by Mark and then I'll I'll receive by myself. I mean, um I need to take a bit of time to you know, evaluate the whole uh situation, the whole team. So obviously at the start of the year you wanna be in the playoffs at this point and comfortably, you know, but you know, with uh, with all the injuries you have, with that the replacement guys that we get, well, the changes we've made, and you know, I have to say that you know, I'm satisfied with where we are because uh, injuries-wise, it's been horrendous uh, losing players, or key players at a different time during the year, and you know, and having to play again too, which was unexpected. <laughs> So, uh, so I guess with considering everything that all the adversity we had as a club, I think I would pick this, uh, this position any time of the week. I never like to single too many of individuals out in, in a team game like this, but Travers Fullerton's came across from obviously from Edinburgh up to Dundee there, and you know he's been pretty good for you between the pipes. He's been good. He's been good, Trevor. I think he, you know, at the start of the year he went through a lot with the changes and everything, so he had to adjust. Obviously, playing with a different personnel than now, but I think he's got, he's really, really found his game the last few weeks, and, uh, I think he had a really good start to this season. I just felt when we were short, you know, we, we had to depend on him a bit too much, and, you know, we were, we were giving up goals that I don't think many goalies in the league would have stopped, and so I really rate Travis High. I think he's one of the, one of the best goalies, if not the best goalie in the league, and we're very fortunate to have him, and, and I think, uh, I think he's had a good season, and I think this last 15 games we're gonna we're gonna see the best out of him. And the start of the last 15 games, obviously, we'll come back to tonight's game in the SSE. You've got to come here twice this season. We've been over there. You've kind of had our number a little bit over there. Greasy win on the first night of the season in the Challenge Cup, and then I think it a shutout win against us. Another period, I think a two 0 two 0 win against us. Um, you know, we know what you're going to come with. You're going to come with speed, and you're going to come with that sort of. Standard Dundee formula that Mark Lefebvre has put into that club over the last number of years and you pick up and ran with just constant coming at you and coming at you and coming at you with your speed. Relentless would be a, a term that I've used about the Dundee Stars over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, we, we try to, you know, use our speed and, uh, you know, as I said, we made a few changes. We had speedy guys and I think, uh, you know, tomorrow is going to be a different game though because you're playing that team that's uh, a bit changed from the the Belfast team we played and we won last time. I mean, you guys made changes as well, and you know, obviously, had different guys were injured at that time, and um, so it'll be an interesting challenge. We haven't seen them in a while. Uh, obviously, lost the video on Belfast. We've had a, you know, we've had some successful games recently. So um, you know, we just gotta get back to what we're good at, and that, that like you said, using our speed and neutral zone attacking. And making sure we're steady defensively, and uh, you know we have a good, good bunch of guys, and I think um, I think they're really looking forward to playing again in a really nice arena like the SFC as well. And this this young guy on on day number two, Omar Pasha, were you expecting to have to play him thirty five times this season? No, no, didn't expect that maybe, and uh, with the injuries, he didn't expect to play that many minutes. So, uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Again, the injuries, as I said, was the worst part of me playing, but, uh, well, at least I, uh, I get to stay in shape, and, cause, you know, at the start of the year, I, I have to admit, I, I put on a bit of weight, so, uh, it's good that I'm back playing now, I think, yeah. I think finally seeing, uh, seeing a bit of that kick back I used to have. And, you know, let's... I've never had a kick back, so. <laughs> I, I know you're being very self-effacing there, Pash, but, you know, what are you, about 31, 32, something like that, you know, 
still play the hockey in you. Thirty one. Was it was it actually frustrating taking a step back from the game to be a full time coach? Is it something or is it now something that's almost in the way of being a coach that you have to play at the same time? Is it something you're enjoying? Is it hard to balance? Is it you know, you still wanna play? Well, the thing is, when I when I came here and the discussion uh, with Steve is to help grow the business on and off the ice, and uh, we had great conversations, and, and that was the main thing when I spoke to well, Steve and Mike, you know, and uh, but I always said what I came here, I would do whatever is needed, you know, for the team, whatever is best for the team, I'll do, and you know, when we uh, lost a few guys, I was, uh, you know, for, when you know when you lost. A Two guys have started. It started to creep in my mind that that might be a possibility, and I think we lost another guy, and then we finally lost at the time Cam uh, Magician that was with us, and and I thought that was just that was just turning point. It was like, all right, he's done for a month and a half, six, you know, six seven weeks. So um, you know, let's get back to skates and, and, and do this for the team. I, I was skating with uh, skating a bit. I was doing a lot of off-ice workouts and. And at that time, I just felt it was the perfect, perfect opportunity to come back. And uh, since then, we picked up more injuries, so I, I had to stay. And uh, it looks like I'm going to be staying in the lineup for the end of the year. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I enjoy it. I mean, it's, uh, I think before the games, I do enjoy it. I get that itch again. But uh, I think why at the start of the year, I was ready to move on. But as I said, whatever is best for the team, I'm, I'll always do. So uh, it kind of puts your... Uh, your own self uh, on the side and you have to think about the bigger picture. Without going back and, and going over the whole Manchester story where you you know, you know, took that franchise from nothing and, and you built it up and you brought Neil Russell in and helped him grow and obviously got him a job at Manchester City then, you must be pretty proud of, of your protege, how he's doing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, I call him my golden child, you know, so he, uh, you know, I formed him, I, uh, you know, I gave him two good years of experience. He learned a lot from me, and uh, now look at him try now. And uh, so I'm really happy. In a perfect world, uh, hopefully one day we can maybe work again together. Uh, but we both, uh, we both like uh, working together. So uh, we'll see, but uh, I'm really happy for him. He's doing really well. And obviously now I think his, his main team is Belfast, uh, is I think. But uh, I think Manchester's up there too. And Brian thinks he's a Dundee fan, so I like that. I um I, I don't know what business you will go into in the future together because he knows nothing about hockey and even less about football. But we always wish him well. He's a good friend of ours. And uh, but anyway, here soon we'll catch up with you tomorrow night at the SSE coach and uh, safe travels over. Okay, thank you, David. The final game of the weekend is the visit of the Milton Keynes Lightning. The Lightning of late maybe haven't had it the way a strong start to the season, but in since the turn of the year, unfortunately, we've only had a handful of wins. To talk to us about that, well, a man we know very well on the podcast, uh, Mr. Jonathan Boxall. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Um, as I said, you know, you guys went off to a pretty strong start to the season. You had wins over the Belfast Giants, wins over a lot of people. But as I said, since the turn of the year, it hasn't really gone your way. You've had, you know, you've had a win against the Steelers, you've win against the Capitals and stuff, but. What's happened in the last few while? You, you haven't been able to get that form that you started off so well with. Yeah, I mean, obviously it hasn't been, uh, you know, the second half of the year has been a bit of a struggle for us. But, you know, I've been in these situations before with injuries, etc. And you look look through the league and everybody's having injuries. Everybody's getting suspensions. So 
in my opinion, I don't think that's an excuse. So it's, um, you know, we've guys potentially are playing more minutes than they normally were expecting and playing a role that maybe, you know, extra roles, et cetera. But at the end of the day, there's no excuse. This is a very competitive league and everybody's having injuries. I mean, I spoke to Kiefer tonight. Um, I was trying to convince him to, to dress for the game on Sunday. So I'd love to see that. <laughs> um, so we'll have to wait and see if he, if I see him flying around in warmups, but yeah, no, we were playing. He was saying the same thing. You guys have got injuries right now. Um, everybody does. So I mean, if I had the answer, then I would obviously try and implement it here and things would change, but everybody's, you know, it's not for lack of trying. Everybody's working hard and everybody's committed to the team, etc. Um, but there's still 14 games left. And at the end of the day, you've got to play for pride. And also guys are trying to, you know, play for jobs right now because this game's that time of the year where guys are, you know, that, that, that aspect of what we do as professionals definitely comes into play. So hopefully um, we can, uh, we've got a big game against Edinburgh on Thursday and then Manchester at home. And then one I've, really been looking forward to going obviously going back to Belfast on Sunday so there's no time like the present to try and you know right the ship you're absolutely right about you know the, the, the injury aspect of it obviously you know, melee you know um essary all it but one part where your team really has had problems and made a bit jinxed is is is, is goalkeeping you know, you've went through quite a few import goalkeepers or Domery week Vickman came in now you've got Passel in in mm. there you know they're I'm just looking at elite prospects as well you've got six named goalkeepers over the last season of course like you've got like Alan Long and Joshua Crane in there as well but goalkeeping has been changing when it comes to that and you get a new guy coming in trying to cover do you have to adapt does the team have to adapt or are you hoping that the guy's just good enough just to sit in that spot yeah i mean it's definitely it's definitely it's it's a huge huge aspect of the team i mean we were very very lucky that we were able to get a guy like Mika at that time of the year um the goalie we had originally at the beginning of the year great goalie plays for the polish national team mm-hmm. was a really good guy was successful the year before um but went down with an injury and also just went down i it felt bad for him because it was at the worst time of the year, but it was an injury that didn't look good. And I mean, realistically, a first year club, we we can't go the first six, seven weeks potentially without, you know, with a, with a goal. I mean, Jordan Headley's a great goal in he's, he works hard, et cetera, but it wouldn't be fair to put that workload on him mm-hmm. his first year in the elite league. Um, so we were very, very lucky that we were able to find a guy like Mika at that stage of the year, but it has, there has been a lot of moving parts. I mean, this has been the most um, guys in and out of a team that I've ever experienced. Um, and that definitely plays a role. You know, it's, it's, there's been guys, you know, Ashley Tate, and we've had other couple of imports come in and out throughout the year, and it definitely plays a role. But um, we're very, very, very fortunate in the fact of, I've said this on a few occasions to guys on the team, et cetera, but we're really, really lucky that we have a really good room because I can't stress to you enough, there have been times where, if we did have a couple of bad apples, and especially with the way the run of form has been going recently, then it would be a very unpleasant environment to be in. But we're very lucky that we do have a good group of guys and everybody gets along with one another. And that that's a huge aspect. So that definitely makes it um, enjoyable to go to work every day, because if that wasn't the case, and we had a couple of bad apples, then it would really be a tough place um, to play, especially when you're losing. And, you know, if you've got bad guys in the room, then that's not that's not a fun environment to be in. Of course, MK being a new team into the Elite League this year and that step up from uh, from the EPIHL into what Elite League and Pete Russell taking that team through, having had quite a bit of success at, at uh, EPL level. How do you think that both Pete and the, maybe the organisation has adapted to that change, that step up into the Elite League? Um, it's, 
it's just, I mean, I, I played in the EPL when I was 16, but it was yeah. a completely different league when I played in it. Um, I mean, I know a lot of the guys that have played in that league and, and a lot, obviously, the guys which were on the team last year. But it's just the level of professionalism through every aspect of, of the, the game. And that's no disrespect to the EPL because it was a good, good league and it was definitely good for British development. Um, but there's just certain things now with the way the league is, the bar is set so high that there are certain things that would would definitely be considered a luxury, maybe potentially at the EPL level, but are an absolute necessity and are what are, what are expected at the elite league level. And that it sounds ridiculous, but it's up to the, you know, you know, whether it be supplements, whether it be food after a game, whether it be the way you travel, the equipment you use, etc. Um, you know, the bar has been set so high and the league is such in position that it is that these things are absolutely necessities and, and the owners and Pete and everyone involved have definitely done a good job with providing everything that is necess- is, is what we need to, to be successful. So I think that's one aspect. Um, the fan base is growing here. And I know that they, the people who own the team definitely have aspirations of growing the club as an identity in the, in the town here. So it's, um, it's definitely been a learning curve and it's, the, you know, it's, there have been, have been moments through the year, which I'm sure, um, potentially that if we could go back in time as a team, maybe we would have done things differently, but that's part of the course. And I'm sure it was the same way with the Giants when they were, you know, it was their first year in the league that you just have to learn, you know, learn as you go, really. But it's, um, we have a great group here and, um, the owners are definitely committed to winning, so that's the most important thing. You know yourself. You, you, I bet maybe you and I also look at be James Griffin, or guys who have elite league experience, British guys who have elite league experience sitting in that team. But then also guys like you know Glenn Billing or uh, Lewis Hook who have taken that step up. Do you find a way that you take these guys under your wing and try to help them along into the elite league, or are these guys do you think are they you know they're adapting to it pretty well? Well, I did appreciate when we had when we had Ashley Tate in the team yeah. because uh, I wasn't the oldest Brit, uh, <laughs> but now I've, it's, it is really really strange to to say that, but I kind of am the mm-hmm. that that kind of role. Like you know, I'm obviously never put myself uh, with in this uh, his level, but kind of the way when I was in Belfast, the way that Sheds was and Murph and those guys, they kind of have been around a while, and if you ever had any questions, and they kind of led by example, and that's kind of the role I have, and. Um, you know, there's there's definitely certain aspects of the way things are as a younger guy in the league that whether, it, you know, you have to point them in the right direction to do certain things and uh, they're very receptive to that. So that that's good. Um, but they're, they're the most important, especially with Lewis Hook, he's hungry to learn and he wants to progress as a hockey player. He's fully committed to being a pro and in the way he goes about his business. and He wants to be a better hockey player. And if I can, you know, he's just significantly more offensive than I am. But if there's, if there's ways that I can help him with, his defensive game and just little tricks, um, whether it be on face-offs or penalty killing, etc., try and bring more aspects to his game because, I mean, we've discussed this before in regards to the league where it is with the import level. Yeah. You have to you have to bring more to your game. You can't rely on being a top six guy. I mean, there's very few guys in this league who are Brits who are at that level now where they can do that. You know, the, the Dowdies and... And the Clarks and the, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of guys where it's predominantly a lot of Brits now are in, in that sort of bottom six role. And, and that's the kind of thing that I've been, I mean, Hooky definitely has the ability to play top six minutes, but it's kind of bringing that, bringing that. The more you can bring as a player, as a portfolio of what you can do, the better it's going to be to get a job and, you know, the better hockey player you're going to be. So that's kind of what I've helped him with this year. And as I said, he's very receptive and, you know, I can see him certainly having a good career down the road. 
It's interesting you, you go down that road with regards to these guys developing. There's a bit of a buzz going around Liam Kirk at the Sheffield Steelers at the minute. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think? Do you think, well, do you think do you, you've, you've bent up against them? Yeah, I mean, I played the last two times I played against him, I think he scored and the last goal he scored was, I mean, it was a very, very nice goal. So I, he's very, very, very talented. Um, and it's great to see that he's getting some buzz in regards to NHL exposure. And um, all credit to everyone in Sheffield who's who's been a big part of his development there. And it's just great for the sport. So I wish nothing, wish him nothing but the best. And uh, he um, he's definitely a, a great a great talent. And we're lucky that he's um, decided to to stay in the in the UK to, to, for his development. I mean that's that's a great sign that 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 for future generations that you can progress and you can be a success. And hopefully um, he can potentially use this as a stepping stone to further his career. So I wish him nothing but the best. And by all accounts, he's a great, great guy and a really good kid. So I wish him, uh, wish him all the best down the road. Yeah, a bit about a lot of chat going on about him. Now, come back, let's bring it back to MK. You guys, unfortunately, sitting down just in eleventh place. Are you in that playoff dogfight? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely. We, we, we trust me, no one here is uh, is folding their tent. We're we're definitely going to push all the way to the end. And um, and yeah, that's the goal is to, to to try and make playoffs. And there's only one way we can do that, and it's winning games. We can't, you know, the looking at what other teams are going to do and who needs to beat who, et cetera, that, that's, that's irrelevant for us. We need to win games. It's as simple as that. Um, and it's a pride thing as well. I can't, I can't stress that enough. Like, I, I don't like losing, and I'm sure I can tell that no one else in that room likes losing. So we need to, we need to figure this out, and um, we're lucky that we have three games this week, and there's no better time. We're also get, getting some bodies back, which will certainly help, and it will kind of relieve certain guys from doing certain things which maybe they're not um they certainly are capable of doing but it's not what they've been brought here to do so um so yeah so once we get healthy um hopefully we can get get back on course but i can't stress enough as i said earlier in my opinion injuries aren't ex- aren't, aren't an excuse they're, they really aren't so um so yeah so once we get these bodies back hopefully that will help us well, as you say, you know, that game against Belfast is coming up, thick and fast, it's coming up on Sunday. What are your thoughts about that? Obviously, you've had the better of Belfast already this season. Can the Milton Keynes Lightning go into the Odyssey and, and give them a challenge? Yeah, I mean, we're certainly going in there with, with the full intentions to come in there and have a, have a good game and, and do everything we can to win. Um, I'm personally really looking forward to coming back. I, uh, I really enjoy my time in Belfast. and I'm lucky that uh, Alyssa... Uh, my fiance, she's over from the states, so she's actually going to be coming over with me oh, as well. And um, I, I really enjoy my time in Belfast. I'm still very, very close and friendly with a lot of the guys on the team, and also people away from hockey in Belfast. So um, yeah, we're both really looking forward to getting back there and seeing everyone, and it will be a it'll be a fun experience for sure. I can't let you go without asking you a question about well, one of our guests or guest panelists this week is uh, is the one and only Jason Taff Ellery. Now, you know, you know as much as most of you that the, the travel in Belfast is quite demanding and and with that Taff goes above and beyond for the players and able them the best opportunity to go out and perform for you guys in peak condition. Yeah, I mean he he uh, I can't speak can't speak highly enough about Taff and everything he does. Um in my opinion he kind of has set the bar um, of what is expected now of an elite league um, equipment manager, and and he really sort of kind of took the ball with the horns um, with that. And he is he's a great guy, and he's definitely a team first guy. I mean, there was nights where we would come back late from a game, and it would be three, you know, three in the morning or whatever. And we'd have a game the next day, and he would tell everyone to just go straight to bed, and he'd unpack the gear. And I don't even know what time he would end up falling asleep 
um, just so we make sure we had dry equipment for the next day. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening who will think um, that's not, you know, a major issue. But for certain guys, you know, the way their equipment is is a big factor. And <laughs> he's just as a he, he's a he's a real team first guy. And the Giants are very lucky to have him in the organization. And um, yeah, I can't speak highly enough about him as a as a you know he's a teammate because obviously equipment manager is part of the team and um, as as a human being as well. So. You're very lucky to have him there in Belfast, and uh, long may it continue because he is a great guy. Well, that team, that game is on Sunday against the MK Lightning. John, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, and I'm hopefully I'll uh, I'll see Kiefer flying around in warm-ups, and I'll uh, chuckle <laughs> about that. Thanks to Pash and to Jonathan Boxall. Um, yep, that game Wednesday night versus Dundee, 7 p.m. Saturday night against the Caps, 7 p.m. And, uh, on Sunday against the MK Lightning, 4 p.m. Taff, thoughts on Boxy? Boxy? Hi. Great guy. Great guy. L- love working with him. Uh, really nice guy, but he's got, he's got, um, crocodile arms. He's got crocodile arms. Yes, it's either that. Or he's got long pockets. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great. <clears throat> well, he's back back in town, and we're staying with it for a while. Oh, and uh, yeah, what are you taking take for lunch? <laughs> yeah, that's boxy. The um... okay. Any other business? Uh, anybody? Davey? No. Nothing. Simon. Yeah, um, our very good friend Laura Small is doing something. I mean, we all know how good she is regarding getting the, uh, you know, helping the kids who um, have had through a bit of tough times over the last number of years, helping out or whether it be fundraising or whether it be just, you know, getting them to meet the players or, you know, all these wee things that maybe a lot of people don't take into consideration. Um, but we all know that. Even though she can be fierce at times, she's got her, her heart's in the 100% right place. And now she's going down the line of having her hair shaved off for three different charities. Right, Boxy did it. We're just talking about Boxy there. Uh, Boxy did it for um, for a charity. Oh, God, I can't remember the name of it now. Um, a couple of years ago. And Laura, uh, on the 24th, is having her hair shaved. Um for three different charities now. Uh, Angel Wings is one. Northern Ireland Cancer Fund. Yeah, like Northern Ireland Cancer Fund is the other. There is another one that I, I again, we'll, we'll get those details tweeted up uh, because I, I just can't remember what the other one is. Um, but if you can spare a pound, 50p, 20 quid, 100 pound, whatever you can spare, please help out with her because she's just absolutely top, top notch. Um, and uh, for for somebody to go out and do that, but and she'll tell you, you know, she's she's never burned her ears before. No. Um, and uh, you know that's one thing that she's when she's getting her hair, her ears are going to stick out. She's got the small ears, um, as in John Small ears. So um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the but we all know she's top top notch, and right. uh, we all should support her in any way we can. Big part right. of this family. Big part of the family. It's outstanding from her, you know, I think it's, you know, just when you think she can't do much more, she goes and does this. If she needs any tips on what it's like to have your head shaved, you know, I've, I can, I can happily provide, you know, I do my, I do mine voluntarily as well. I'm just going to do your hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather Baba do it for Lauren, honestly. 
Davey, you said you something there? Yes, Paddy. Um, young lad, young lad who has um, kind of touch of autism, um, Craig Lacey, at the game at the weekend, they're celebrating his 12th birthday. Told his mum would give him a shout out at the end of the show. Um, another good guy that has started following the Giants over the last 18 months and found the involvement with um, the players. He seems to be Rudy, Brad, Shades, Jackson, guys at Boomerang Corner as well, taking them under. You know, they come along to get something of the camaraderie with the Belfast Giants and, and it helps them out. And, they forget about being autistic and they're defined by the good things that are going on in their life, the good things that are going on with the Giants and all these kids. Fantastic. We love being involved with all that stuff. And happy birthday, Craig, from all of us here at AVFTV. Here, here. Uh, Mr. Ellery, do you have anything? No, I'm good. Well, good. that, uh, that yeah, what we need. <laughs> That's it. Well, we got, yes, three games, I would say. Dundee, Caps on Saturday and MK Lightning on Sunday. Thanks to everybody for sending in their, uh, all the stuff through the week on all their TFAs. Taff, thank you very much for joining us on this week's show. Thank you for having me. been a pleasure. We, we, had, we had great fun chatting with you and some great stories there. Mr. Kitchen and Mr. Majemsey. Bye, Bollards. Talk soon, boys. And uh, wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hobby. And we'll catch you here next time on A View from the Bridge. Sports Social Podcast Network.